Autobots fighting Decepticons Optimus killed by Megatron Starscream leaves made to die Something about a matrix I'm not even gonna try War and Beast Talking about how half the cast died War and Beast Though that title doesn't seem to apply The soundtrack was phenomenal Especially that song they pulled out from Weird Al Before Beast Machines Were covering a mix This week it's the movie from 1986 on War and Beast War and Welcome to War and Beast, the podcast that from beyond the stars has pulled things back in time, all the way back to 1986, to quite possibly, uh, well, I don't know. I can't really say whether this is the best interpretation, but it's one of the most memorable. We are reviewing the 86 Transformers animated movie. Wait, I'm great. Wait, the 86 movie? <laughs> you just said yeah, you just told me Transformers the movie. I watched the Michael Bay movie. Now you didn't oh, no. shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the Transformers uh was just Transformers I, 2009. I think it's just Transformers. It, it probably it's 2007 I think. that came out. Yeah, that's why it's confusing. Through the intro of everybody, that's why it's Emily. That's why it's confusing knowing the right names for things because even though it came out in two thousand seven, so referred to as Transformers two thousand nine. So I said it already, but I'm Emily. (laughs) I'm Jordan. I'm Kendall, and And I'm Gwen. Yes, we got. Sorry, my bad. (laughs) We got a new guest with us. We've got Gwen. Hello. Now, Gwen as is customary with most audio entropy podcasts. What is your history with Transformers? Um, so I always say I'm younger than Diaclone, older than Transformers. Um, nice. It's something that my brother used to watch a lot of growing up, and there were just lots of Transformers in the house. Um, and it was the one thing that was available at our local video store. They had the initial G1 run of, I think it was 12 VHS cassette tapes that you could rent. I think it was um, right around that many, yeah. It's what? it's this nice self-contained arc. Um, and I used to watch that and I would go over and, you know, play Transformers with the neighbors. Um, and it was just, you know, it was instrumental, you know, to me growing up. And... You know, as I grew up, the show grew up too. I watched Generation Two and then Beast Wars, and then watched some of the Japanese stuff when I was really badly learning Japanese uh, in college. Um, but I've kind of kept with it, and I feel like Transformers and I have grown together over the years. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, it was great to hear. 
And we have pulled you into this. So I am so sorry. <laughs> no, no, I'm quite happy to do this. I think this is one of my favorite movies. Oh, good. Um, so, yeah, Kendall, do you have anything pulled up on IMDb for this? Well, I have IMDb pulled up, but I think this is more interesting. So Dare to be okay. Stupid is an original song by Weird Al Yankovic. It's a musical yes. pastiche or style parody of the band Devo. Lyrically, the mm-hmm. song dares the listeners to be stupid in various ways, mostly by advising the listener to do the opposite of common idioms. Uh, let the bed bugs bite or put all your eggs in one basket. While occasionally absurd non sequitur, stick your head in the microwave and get yourself a tan. In an interview on VH1's Behind the Music, Devo's Mark Mothersbaugh stated in reaction to the song that I was in shock. It was the most beautiful thing I'd ever heard. He sort of re-sculpted that song into something else and... I hate him for it, basically. The, the song was featured in Transformers the movie. It was later released as a double side along with The Touch by Stan Bush. That's awesome. Wonderful. Wow. And uh, apparently it's a really good music video, too. Uh, I that That is like uh, that sort of leans into the style parody of Devo. Um, segments of the video are represented are reminiscent of several of Devo's other videos. Uh, Devo, Devo corporate anthem in one scene, the band is standing in the same pose as Devo, uh, Joko homo in another segment, the band wears nylon stockings over their heads, beautiful world. There are also several scenes of black and white stock footage directed by Al, uh, wearing different costumes in the rest of the video in front of an interocitor. In addition, tell me, what did I say also resembles line from that song and the list goes on and on and on, but that's the best thing about this movie. The fact that <laughs> the fact that they pulled out Derek and it does, I mean, it fits, but it doesn't fit. I don't know. It's great. It was great. It was my favorite thing. <laughs> um, and there's trivia. The biggest piece of trivia from this movie is, is that this was Orson Welles uh, final film before his death on October 10th, 1985 at yes. age 70. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like reading the rest of this because there's a shitload of it. And Jordan's probably got Jordan's got a better uh, Jordan can pick and choose from the TF wiki because I'm sure it's all the same (laughs) stuff because that seems to be the case on important things like movies. So there are a lot of uh, animation continuity errors marked, which is just, you know, from people picking. I would highly suggest just probably taking a look at the TF wiki if you want. Also, if you do, you will get a treat that every caption for every picture in the article has a Star Wars quote. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I, I'll just yep. to throw in with continuity and and visual errors and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I watched the I watched the movie with the commentary today uh, from oh? one of the writers and the director and the voice of RC was the other person in the commentary. Uh, but yep. basically, oh. anytime there was a like visual continuity error, like a lot of times Unicron looks different from one scene to another. Uh, yeah. He, he basically said like, yeah, there was just so much with this movie, like that. And they were working with so many different people. There were, um, there were 400 different animators in the first, in the first scene alone. Um, wow. So they were working with so many different groups and so many different people that like, one one group would draw Unicron one way and the other group would draw Unicron the other way. And he couldn't be like, well, this is you. You didn't draw this. You know, you didn't draw this right. They're like, well, you know, we don't have time to go back and redo it. No. <laughs> so that's, did they not have a model sheet of Unicron to like have reference? That's well, weird. So they did. 
Um, but I guess some of There's the still some small details that probably there. The model sheep's probably just a broad outline. Yeah. yeah There's a yeah. lot of little bumps all over him. Yeah, yeah, I guess and I guess some of the yeah, different for, people interpreted it slightly differently. Like for example, there's uh one time when you can see that his face has like a beard while he's transforming and then in the next scene it's not there. Mm-hmm. And it's more of just because of like just a cleft of a line on it, so it was just like how the person drew his face could have given him that beard-like appearance, but it's not there in the other one so he doesn't have it. Yeah. So it's it's things like that that just make it, it mm-hmm. inconsistent. Yeah, the, the this thing Go ahead. Oh, sorry. the The thing is, too, like even though they had the larger budget, they still had, uh, I guess, a really big time constraint. I can't remember how long they had to make it, but while they were also making the movie, they were still working on the series at the same time. Also, yeah. So, yeah the sense the sense that I got was that this was definitely a a very uh, ambitious undertaking. Like it was it was not the first. A movie animated movie based on or well it was it was not the first movie based on a toy line uh but it may have been the first animated movie the only the only one that they uh that the guy could think of on the on the commentary was there was a he-man movie but it was live action so this is so i mean really you know in the in the 80s the quality of animation just wasn't you know, it wasn't it wasn't as as everywhere as, as we would think of it now or even when you think of it in the in the 90s and and things. And, you know, since it was all being done by hand, um, you know, there's going to be some some variations in the different, you know, different animation houses or whatever uh, are, are involved with it. Yeah, I think they also right before this, I think they made the My Little Pony movie as well. And I um, think that I think came out in theaters. I I think. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, wait. There was a Care Bears. The first Care Bears movie came out on theaters. So, and I know there was a, a Rainbow Bright one too, but I'm not sure if that came out in theaters. So, what were the years on those though? Like, so uh, there's, there was the My Little Pony movie. The Star- Care Bears Rainbow was Bright. 85. Oh, so it might have came out before this. Yeah, yeah I think so. Uh, My Little Pony was an 86 movie. It was oh, released June twentieth. I think this was what November. Uh, this one was August oh, in August. North so America. Re- regardless, so they were all probably in production at the same time. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And this one, I mean, I don't know much about Care Bears and My Little Pony. I was well, not exactly the target market, but I would imagine <laughs> that this that this movie was probably more ambitious than those. The other thing Bears I think movie. is the interesting thing is I think this was probably being made at the same time as the GI Joe movie. Yeah. And due to yeah. reception on this is uh, why, what was his name, Duke, ended up in the hospital at yeah, the end of that is... movie and not dead is because, I mean, I know I bawled my eyes out when opt- when something happens in this film. Were you the uh, one who locked yourself in your room for two weeks? Oh, no, no. I was my friend's basement and I just sat there <laughs> crying for like a Aww, solid minute. Aww. Poor baby Gwen. Also, also reception from this movie because it wasn't um... – Super, it wasn't super successful in the box office. Apparently, is why the GI Joe movie was a straight to home video, video. release, yes. as opposed yeah. to uh, in theaters. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's kind of one of the weird things about this is that commercially, this this did really good, didn't it? Like once it hit like VHS and and on TV and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it did. I think that's why it's had such a longevity to it. Yeah, it's like one of those things where like. 
no one wants to go see Transformers in the theaters. They'd rather just sit, sit at home and watch it. Yeah. <laughs> it also, I mean, obviously it can, it must this is like the definition of a cult film. Like it is not available to watch to stream anywhere officially. Mm-hmm. Uh wow. they they put out a a a DVD and a Blu-ray, but mostly it was a Blu-ray release of it about 2 years ago. <laughs> Uh, for the 30th anniversary, but that is no longer in print. Um, mm-hmm. And then also there was a DVD 10 years before that uh, for the 20th anniversary, which is what I that's found at Half Price Books. Yeah. yeah, That's the one I have as well. Yeah, That but, came out when I was working at Toys R Us. But that's also not not in print, not actually in print. Like, yeah. uh, so, so it is, in spite of how popular Transformers is now, uh, this, this, this movie is not in print. Um, and mm-hmm. it's and it's relatively difficult to uh, to 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 get the the there's a there's a video rental store across the street from my apartment. Uh, they, you know, live in the past and everything. Uh, <laughs> but they uh, I, I called them to to ask if they had this movie and they said they did until the most recent Transformers movie came out in theaters right around that time. Somebody uh, rented the movie from rented the movie from him and never brought it back so they had to write oh, it off oh, as stolen bastards. yeah <laughs> and That's because horrible. it's not in print they weren't you know they haven't they haven't reordered it yeah it's mm. too bad yeah so it's it's just it's interesting because yeah it's not um like like it's it's a little bit it, i do you know although it's it's actually officially over now technodrome tales the ninja turtles podcast um I don't remember if I told you that, Emily, or not, but Oh, I, I did not know. I think I That's told everybody bad. else when you got up and walked away <laughs> uh the other night. But um yeah, because uh, Brad is having a child and didn't want to well, you know that's a good reason time, to stop. Time um, yeah, yeah, stuff. Brad. But but yeah, like congrats. but the thing is the thing is about those about that, like the the actual quality of those of that show is pretty low of, of the 1987 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series. Yeah. Yeah. This mm-hmm. like actually holds up relatively well. So it, it doesn't seem like uh, the, I, I don't understand why Hasbro would, would actively want to kind of hide it from history unless it's because it doesn't actually sell. I think it's more to do with like critical reception that, and they took a big hit monetarily when they released it in theaters Mm -hmm. so i think to them it's sort of a bit of a black mark even though i don't think they ever anticipated the reception that it got once it went to home video so i think for them it's still this very odd thing that they aren't exactly sure how to capitalize on necessarily aside from nostalgia yeah i mean i understand what you're saying except for they released it in 2005 and then they released it in 2015. So sales mm-hmm. on it, those must not have been spectacular. Otherwise they would have, yeah. they would have kept it in print unless, was, unless they're specifically like trying to get people to buy it every 10 years. Well, that could be like it, the Disney method. Yeah. 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 I was also going to say there might be a little bit of a, just like paring up rights issues kinds of things. Cause if you, uh, the, the 20th anniversary, like, we were talking about Munch and Sunbrow, or was it Sun, Sunbrow or Sunbow? Sunbo. I think it was Sunbow. Sunbow Productions yeah. and Marvel Entertainment. They were the ones who, like, Marvel owned the the rights to the car, the co- comics and helped make this yeah. movie. So I don't think 
you know, they still owned it or anything like that, but they still probably have to go through, uh, you know, the occasional like, hey, we're going to re-release this again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, here's, you know, here's a residual check or something like that. So, yeah. we, you know, so they still have to go through hoops and stuff like that. And it also might be just every time they re-release it, it has always been like, like they say, it's a remastered or re re uh, or redigitized or something like that. Mm-hmm. They probably just have to do a new format change every time. Yeah, when, yeah. They, when they've been doing it, which is also probably also a problem. Yeah, they got which it. Is why they, which is why they don't only do a limited run of it, because if uh, if it, if it's going to be changed again in another t- 10, 20 years, uh, mm. and there's why would people buy the new new one unless the, if there was still old ones still around? Yeah, why buy the disc one? We'll probably have like you know contacts in our eyes that can play movies. <laughs> yeah, I mean they one they day. haven't released a 4K Blu-ray of it yet, so maybe yeah. maybe we'll oh, go. No, they have yet. Not that, not yet. But uh, yeah, uh, well, 2025. Yeah, yeah. That's well. I mean, that's what I like. It could be that they're specifically like, if we release it every 10 years, then everyone will buy it again because everybody that everybody that wants it already owns it at this point. Because like the only reason that I wanted to buy it was because of this podcast. But like and. Emily, I assume you don't own it. I don't. But but you have your ways. Um, I do. <laughs> and uh, but the rest of you guys, I mean, the rest of you guys own it already. Of, yeah. You know. Yeah. And that a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I mean, I guess I guess probably most people who are fans of of G one Transformers already you know already have it and they yeah I don't know. It's just I it love was, to own it. It's a great movie, but yeah, yeah it was just it was just weird to. to me. It was just weird to me, like how how difficult it was to find. And also, it's like I mean, there are also things that are that people have given up on the copyright protection for, and are all over YouTube and stuff. And th- this one, although you could probably watch it on YouTube if you really tried, like it was it was not it was not easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think Hasbro has to protect their copyright on this stuff, but I think it, I would also argue it doesn't uh, market synergize well with a lot of other Transformers properties. Mm. It's a very different flavor of Transformers than they've been selling the last 10 years. So it's hard to say, hey, look at our our happy, brightly colored Transformers and then compare them with grays and more grays. (laughs) Well, I mean, mean, Hasbro, Hasbro does have the animated Transformers shows that are still brightly colored. And aimed at your audience, true. and they're doing that uh, as as uh, um, Casey has has told us in the news post. They're doing that Cyberverse yeah. revamp there that is te- that is heavily tied into the G one. So they might oh. do some of the more brightly colored, more G one looking things. Uh, so so that might mean that those uh, YouTube videos you saw, Kendall, will be down soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, although also. Um... I guess the other the other thing is that that makes this not synergize even with all the you know an- Transformers animated or or, or rescue uh, bots. Re- You're not yeah, going to see anybody the, in rescue bots say, "I'll rip out your." I mean, boy, you know all the all the the various the various child focused Transformers things. This is definitely a chapter of the G one story, and so yeah. it. I mean, it, it stands on its own. And after a couple of you, I watched it twice, uh, you know, by the end of the second time, I kind of knew who characters were. Uh, but yeah, we'll get into that. Um, sorry, we got way off track there. And that's yes. all my fault. <laughs> um, so what I was going to go discussion. over from the TF wiki was uh, just some 
like quick bullet list of continuity notes they had and then the easter eggs and and real world references because those are fun yeah um so as for the continuity notes it basically says this movie has had a huge effect in uh in shaping the mythos among the elements and characters which would appear in many other iterations of transformers are the notion that cybertron has moons uh, the Matrix as a physical object rather than the computer program previously depicted in the Marvel comics. Even the Marvel comics would eventually shoehorn this one in. <laughs> uh, the existence of Autobot City on Earth, or a Autobot City at all. Uh, Unicron, because this was his first thing. Uh, the notion of Megatron becoming Galvatron ha- is a you know rec- recurring theme. Yes. And <laughs> I believe as it says here in this bullet, and he killed off Optimus Prime before it was cool. Which I think this was the first time he was killed, but Marvel Comics would then again, every once in a while, was like to would do that, but he would also be reborn so many times. So yeah. I'm, I'm positive this is the first time he was killed. Like I don't actually know, but it must be. Mm-hmm. Issue 24 is when he died in the comics, and I think that ha- the comics started in 85, so that had to have been two years into the run. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, also, it says Cybertron's appearance in the post-titles establishing shot shows some major changes to the plan since our last look at it in season two. Uh, mostly, it just mentions that uh, that while it has some of the same buildings, the giant pit near the equator is mostly covered over, and a shredded portion is actually been completely rebuilt. Mm-hmm. And then we've got some gadget and powers that were mentioned, like uh, Springer's small flip-out twin lasers from his wrist. Uh, RC and Hot Rod both activate a long-distance scanner of some sort by lowering a red visor from under their helmets over their eyes. Mm-hmm. Hot Rod uses a saw blade that extends from his retracted wrist, which was awesome. I love yes. that thing. I think they have stuff like that in the Platinum Games game as well, where like you can That's just great. have a does saw it, blade as a weapon. Does it still make? Does it still make the uh, uh, the uh, obviously over fully uh, gunshot sound or bullet sound? I doubt that. Because <laughs> that's what I really love. It's like every time he hit metal on metal, it was like, ching, ching. And it was just like, <laughs> it's like, that sounds like a bullet. That's good. Uh, Blur has the same kind of hooked welding tip used by various Autobots as far back as More Than Meets the Eye Part 2. Um, yep. RC unleashes a nasty barbed post from her fender to fend off a junkion. And Grimlock shows his never before seen ability to shoot lasers from his fists. <laughs> I don't even remember that. <laughs> I think it was one of those times that they were in robot mode where you, if you blink, you miss it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, actually, it's towards the end when he needs a new strategy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so now, as for the real world references and Easter eggs, uh, it says, while the inside of Unicron is shown after he devours Lithone, the blinking energy effect of Unicron's inner shows for a split second what appears to be several images of post-apocalyptic buildings. These images look to be recycled background paintings from Fists of the North Star. A film oh, had, had animated the same year. Oh, God. <laughs> regardless, amazing. Of, regardless of animation efficiency corner cutting, the flashing images of ruined civilizations are eerily appropriate for Unicron. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, when Sl- uh, Sledge gets haymakered by Devastator, his eyes pop out of their sockets in Looney Tunes fashion. Yes. I did notice that, yeah. Yeah. A uh, cup storytelling sequence aboard the shuttle is drawn from the novel of Mice and Men, complete with Grimlock in the Lenny role asking Cup to tell Grimlock about Petro rabbits again. Yeah, I, I caught that. It's it's a very cute scene, though. <laughs> yeah, uh, Grim, Grimlock's very adorable in that scene. Uh, the Junkians speak almost entirely in pop culture quotes and pastiches. Uh, 
Later among the generic phrases like operators are standing by, film at 11, and eliminate even the toughest things are more specific references, such as don't look behind door number two, Monty, a reference to the game show Let's Make a Deal and its host, Monty Hall. Jirani Do Ron Ron Ronnie Mo, both the famous Geronimo war cry and the 1963 hit Do Ron Ron. <laughs> uh, you check in, but you don't check out is a parody of the tagline for, Mo- for Roach Motel insect traps. And happy motoring is the slogan of gas company Esso. The quintessent jail cell includes robot debris strongly resembling several mobile suits from 1985 Japanese animation Mobile Suit Zeta Gundam. Are you serious? <laughs> I need to go back and like, catch that. It's awesome. Oh my god, that's a GM. <laughs> yeah, um, and they actually show the picture of which which uh, two various like yeah, models. The two mobile them. suits that they pulled it from. Uh, Star Wars sound effects, yes, even the high-budget movie uses them. The Millennium Falcon engine burst noise is used extensively throughout the film, over and over and over, almost any time a Decepticon takes flight. Luke Skywalker's deactivating lightsaber is used as a sound of the quintessence ship ramp extending. Uh, clashing lightsabers are used as Unicron fires eye blasts at the attacking Transformers. And an igniting lightsaber is used as Ron and this opens the Matrix. And I think uh, we were talking about this a little bit off air, but apparently some of the, so- the sound director and some of the people working on sound were people who worked on Star Wars. So yeah. it wasn't so much as that they made it sound like it, that they were reusing them then. And yeah. they, had access, they had access to them. So uh, then it says the Star Trek sliding door sound is used as Rekgar pulls out his iPhone slash mini TV. <laughs> and the sound used for communicators on Star Trek is used when Daniel activates his blaster to save Spike. <laughs> so those little beeps and boops on his arm there that he did are from Star Trek. Yep. And that's all the references. All right. Now... For all of our listeners, normally you are used to us going through quite extensively on the synopsis, but because this is a movie, um, and considering the last couple of times we've gone very, very long on synopsis, I'm going to try and do something a little bit shorter. Um, Frankly, I don't know if, Kendall, you were planning on timing me for this or not. Um, So we're going to... I'm going to keep an eye on the clock. Uh, Okay. I trust that you'll keep it under five minutes. Okay. If it goes much over seven, I might say something, but uh, okay. yeah, right. uh, it doesn't need to be, doesn't need to be formally timed. I mean, this okay. isn't, this isn't a news post. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we're, I'm going to, I'm going to go through it rather briefly. Uh, I will probably gloss over some things, but the reason being is that way we can get to talking about the stuff that we liked and we didn't like much sooner and I think give it a bit more of the praise slash criticism that it deserves so that, you know, we can make a better episode, I think. But anyway, we'll go with this. If folks don't like it, let us know. If you do like it, let us know and we'll try and keep doing it with the movies. Let us know regardless. Please talk to us. We crave your (laughs) feedback. You too can show up on the show if you feedback enough. Yeah, it's true. Get my, the bar's uh, pretty low. Yes. <laughs> well, hey, that's not fair. That's not fair. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I didn't say like by how much this strange person that we have on the show cleared said bar, but you know, I mean, the bar is pretty low. I mean, they let me on it, so <laughs> it's easy All right. to just walk right over. Hmm. All right, so. Getting to the movie at hand, uh, as long we as you don't try to go under it like that one anime did. That is <laughs> that is like the worst moment in anime history. I don't know what you're referencing, but I mean, oh, we've had. Let's not get into it. We'll. I'll. 
explain some other time. <laughs> but, but let yes. me just say that it is part of the reason why uh, the meme of um, uh, what's his of uh, Azari Tezaku saying the anime was a mistake was pretty much born for. <laughs> All, right. All right. So getting to the movie at hand, uh, we open with a oddly haloed and horned some sort of planet approaching another one and attacking it eating all of its inhabitants or the vast majority of them and then floating off we get a uh, rather cool title sequence and kick-ass music that seems amazing it is um lion yeah i think it was lion i'm pretty sure yeah, the the '80s band Lion, I think, is the one who did the the theme. It wasn't Sam Bush for the actual theme. Uh, um, we then cut to Cybertron, and we find out that it is the year 2005. So we are literally living in the 12 years in the future of this movie. <laughs> we still don't have flying cars, mm-hmm. um, but we are on Cybertron, which has apparently been taken over by the Decepticons over the course of the war. Uh, the Autobots have control of two of Cybertron's moons, and there is a plan for the Autobots to attempt to try and take back the planet. But in order to do so, they require a shipment of Energon from Earth before they construct. So the plans are overheard uh, and reported back to Megatron. Who, By laser beak. Yes. Who, uh, in turn, orders for the ship to be attacked while it's en route to Earth which we get our first big wipeout of the G1 first yeah. and second season. Uh, <laughs> it is brutal in some spots. Um, but as was put, I'm trying to remember exactly how it was put. Uh, what was it? The great, I think it was the great toy cleansing of 86 is what they call it. <laughs> But yeah, it was uh, it was quite bad. Um, from here, we then cut to Earth, and we are introduced to our main protagonist of this the movie Hot Rod, uh, who is not fishing. Daniel? Yes, fishing with Daniel. No, no, I meant Daniel's not the protagonist. Nah, I see. <laughs> you mean the, a robot of the Transformers? He's a, sorry, is an actual protagonist of a Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. Oh my god. Don't get me started. <laughs> um they see the shipping coming and we get a cool little sequence where we get our first Stan Bush song of the movie. One of the best songs in the movie. Um come to find out as they are on Lookout Mountain, they see that there's a giant hole in the side of the ship, and it's discovered that Daniel there's specifically does. Yes. Yeah. He's like, Hi bro, there's a hole in the shuttle. What I love best, though, is that not only is there a hole in the shovel, but Starscream is just standing right there for oh, everyone yeah. to see. Yeah. So uh, Hot Rod takes it upon himself to attack the shuttle, uh, causes it to explode, and we get Decepticons pouring out of it like a wasp nest that's been attacked. Uh, the battle is oh, on. Spiders. Oh, yeah. Uh, Decepticons start attacking everybody. And we get the what has come to known as the Battle of Ottawa City. Um, over the course of the battle, they manage to get word out, thanks to Blaster, uh, that is able to get back to Prime, who launches another shuttle in order to try and provide backup. But they, um, the battle itself 
I think goes on pretty much all night. It's sort of hinted yeah. at or, you know, it's like they have a transition from like night to early morning. Yeah. Um, over the course little, of it, we get razors. Yeah. Um, we get um, Hot Rod and Cop who managed to like get into the city before it was locked down to try and slow the, the Decepticons progress. But they finally get uh, Devastator to form and start tearing the city apart. And we then have what looks like it's going to be sort of a curtain call for a lot of the remaining Autobots. A bunch have already been killed over the course of this battle. And we do see some husks of uh, defeated Autobots over the my course. Favorite, my favorite Wheeljack there on the ground. Yeah, yeah. Wheeljack. I couldn't remember his name, but I was like, oh, no, that's that guy. I like this guy. <laughs> Wheeljack um, especially, I felt bad because he created yeah. the Dinobots. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Um, over the course of the battle, we do have some interesting moments like Starscream getting stuck in a door uh, and shooting his own foot. Um, but over the course of the battle, uh, once the dawn comes, we get a heroic stand by the arriving Optimus Prime. He manages. His entrance is great, by it's the way. So good. It yeah. is a scene that I always remember and always love. I'm going to, ins- I'll probably insert the audio. Because uh, obviously I cannot do Peter Cullen justice, but it's Megatron must be stopped no matter the cost. Megatron must be stopped no matter the cost. <laughs> but one of the best lines, uh, he single handed, I think I lost count. I think it was like five or six Decepticons yeah. that he takes out yeah. single handedly um, running over one. <laughs> that was that was the best part, too. Yeah. Um, he and Megatron have they, they a, did the neat effect of mirroring it in his grill, so you actually yes. kind of saw, like you didn't see actually see on screen the collision, but you could see it coming and yeah. and feel the impact. Um, uh, okay, um, let's stop interrupting, Greg. Right. He only has one right. minute left. Oh my oh, god! No. Sorry. Um. So we have a fight between Optimus and Megatron, which unfortunately both are mortally wounded. The Decepticons make a retreat. Uh, following the retreat, we then see Optimus on his deathbed and passes the uh, Matrix of Leadership, uh, originally intended for uh, Ultra Magnus, but is caught by Hot Rod as it slips out of Optimus's hand as he passes away, foreshadowing for later. We then uh, get from here... Uh, this is also the first mention of Till All Are One. I believe in all of Transformers this is the first time that it's mentioned. We then get uh, a cut to Unicron, uh, who observes the transfer of this, uh, of the Matrix, and freaks out a little bit. Uh, we then cut to the Decepticons, and the Astro Train shuttle is reporting that some weight needs to be dumped, otherwise they will not make it back to Cybertron. To which Starscream takes over, kicks a bunch of the injured Decepticons out, including Megatron, who. Oh, was... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the remaining Decepticons are floating through space and come across come across Unicron, who trans offers to rebuild Megatron and his minions in exchange for service. Uh, Megatron agrees and is reformatted into Galvatron, who then is given a new ship and new troops and is ordered to kill Ultra Magnus to be able to destroy the Spark, or the Matrix of Leadership. 
And that is apparently the only way, only thing that stands in his way. The Decepticons then go first to Cybertron, and we get Galvatron destroying Star Starscream. Uh, Galvatron, by the way, is voiced by the uh, now deceased but always memorable Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. Uh, upon which, after defeating Starscream, uh, Unicron arrives in Cybertron's vicinity and devours the two moons of Cybertron, both of which are Autobot bases. Um, Galvatron, of course, is very upset at first, but while still under Unicron's control, uh, is sort he can't of do anything. Yeah, he can't it. do anything, and is forced to head to Earth to kill Ultra Magnus. Uh, Magnus is notified about the moons uh, and prepares the remaining Autobots to flee in the pair of shuttles to meet this new threat, but is attacked by Galvatron. And they manage to to launch in, I think, is it two? No, it's one shuttle. Yeah, they had to split up yeah. between the two shuttles. Yeah. yeah. So um, we've got the Dinobots, Cup, Hot Rod on one shuttle, and yeah. RC, Springer, Daniel... Magnus and Perceptor and Blur. Yes. Yeah, on the they're other. on the second. Um, Galvatron manages to catch up to them. Uh, they in turn, or I'm trying to remember which. Cyclonus uh, shoots down uh, Hot Rod and yes. Hot Rod's in the Dinobots. And they, and they land on Quintessa. Yeah. Which is the home planet of the Transformer creators. Which we don't find out until many years later. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, the other shuttle, uh, while still trying to make its way to Cybertron, is set upon by or trying to remember if it was attacked again or if it had damage and they had to separate. Uh, they they, they were, were under attack and it is to try to sneak away. Oh, that's right. Yes. In the front section. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in yeah, a classic Star Trek saucer separation maneuver. Um. The saucer section, of course, though, lands on the planet Junk. So over the course of like the next little bit, we cut between Hot Rod, Cop, Dinobots, and then Blur, RC, Daniel, who now has his funky spacesuit, and Ultra Magnus, uh, who are both trying to survive. Uh, Cop and Hot Rod are captured by the Quintessons. Uh, the other crew is set upon by the Junkions who are sort of well, chasing them around. Actually, uh, Galvatron shows up first before the Junkions attack. That's, a, that's oh. okay. Jordan, stop interrupting. No, sorry. <laughs> we're, we're already six minutes over. Sorry. Uh, wait, we're six over? Yeah, you've been going for ten minutes. Oh, fuck. Okay, I'm trying to get through. <laughs> like two-thirds through. Um, over the course of this, uh, Hot Rod and Cop managed to escape and sort of lead like this sort of mini revolt while the Dinobots assist in their escape and they wind up finding a ship. They also find another Autobot named Wheelie uh, who decides to accompany them. And frankly, I kind of wish that they had left him on the planet, but that's another story <laughs> for another time. Um, back on the planet Junkion, uh, the Junkions initially are attacking them, but then they become friends. The Decepticons attack, and while the uh, Decepticons are attacking, Magnus sacrifices himself to save the others and is blown to pieces, literal pieces, uh, and the Matrix of Leadership stolen by Galvatron. 
The remaining Autobots arrive just shortly thereafter. Magnus is then put back together by the Junkions. And I kept thinking to myself, why didn't they bring Prime's body along? Because that would have been really helpful at this point. Um, They all agree to work together to stop Unicron, who is the main enemy, obviously, at this point. And they launch in one in a Quintesson ship. And then the Junkions have their own ship, which in classic Millennium Falcon fashion looks like a hunk of junk, but I'm sure can make the Kessel run in 12 parsecs. Mm-hmm. Um, we then get the Autobots and the Quintesson ship crashing into, or no, wait, first we get Galvatron transforming into a giant robot mode as Galvatron. Galvatron. Or, yeah. Like Galvatron. <laughs> yeah, because Galvatron was trying to convince Unicron that he could stop him, but Galvat- when he attempts to, Galvatron, <laughs> Unicron swallows him. Yep. Uh, He then proceeds towards Cybertron and he says that he was going to spare that little planet, but has changed his mind. Uh, The Autobots attack along with the Junkions. Pretty much like a split sort of maneuver. The Autobots crash through one of Unicron's eyes to make their way inside. Uh, Hot Rod is separated from the remaining Autobots. It's sort of like three parties at this point. And we get uh, Daniel as well. I'm trying to remember which Autobot was with Daniel. RC, Springer, and Cup. Yes. Um, They managed to save Daniel's father, Spike, who was from the original two seasons of the G1 cartoon, uh, as well as Jazz, Bumblebee, and... uh, I think Cliff Cliff Jumper. Yes, Cliff Jumper. So they manage to make their way while Hot Rod uh, battles Galvatron, who still has the Matrix of Leadership wrapped around his neck on a chain. Over the course of the battle, uh, Hot Rod manages to grab the Matrix, which begins to change him and turn him then into Rodimus Prime, the new leader of the Autobots. Uh, He then proceeds to throw Galvatron through the wall of the room that they are in within Unicron, sending him off into space. And uh, Rodimus then activates the power of the Matrix to light their darkest hour. Uh, There's an energy surge which starts to cause this cascading self-destruction of Unicron, over the course of which Rodimus then makes his way to the remaining Autobots, uh, giving the classic line, Autobots, transform and roll out, to which they all transform into their vehicle modes, go driving through Unicron, then shooting through his remaining intact eye and <laughs> sort of floating off into space while Galatron slowly starts to fall to pieces, literally. Uh, you keep yeah. saying Galvatron. Yeah, I know. God damn it. I'm, I'm trying to rush. Calculon. Yeah. <laughs> um, the final sequence of Unicron, we see his body exploding and his head literally popping off of said body, then going into sort of an orbit around Cybertron. Uh, the remaining Autobots celebrate the victory. Uh, Rodimus stating that the, the war is over and that hopefully a new era of peace uh, will begin 
and the, finally we get him saying till all are one and our final scene is the dismembered head of unicron floating like a new moon around the planet and we then get more stan bush so there you go there's the well not quite five minutes summary another five minutes and then another five minutes <laughs> it was it was about 15 minutes but that's that's okay because it actually um those that was like the right amount of detail like, i think it was like I, five minutes per arc yeah yeah. yeah 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 that's yeah it was it was fine um yeah it was the right amount of detail because uh you explained some things that i didn't understand when i watched it so oh good, uh, good. <laughs> mostly the um the fact that they left earth on two different shuttles because yeah, i didn't understand that and so then i didn't understand why they were on two different planets and mm-hmm. now it all makes sense essentially <laughs> that happened because um the dinobots were just being big like like they were stubborn. being assholes yeah. yeah yeah they were being assholes and so there was the kid's ship and the adult ship yeah roped into babysitting yeah that's good <laughs> and then i have i have two two other things before we go like super in depth on stuff uh mm-hmm. you you asked why they didn't bring optimus there they actually answered that the writer guy answered that in the commentary he yeah. said that because by the time they got to um by the time they got to the junk planet optimus's spark was completely uh had been completely Gone. extinguished they got basically they got ultra magnus um in time and then also ultra magnus hadn't been removed from the next toy line yeah uh, true <laughs> the more and like, they, they, they also know they're going to end up on a junk planet where like they apparently have special healing liquid <laughs> right yeah. right right which looked they like, also, sort of like turtle wax yeah, they touch on it in the Return of Optimus Prime, which is the end of season three. Yes, um, and they bring Optimus Prime's corpse to the Junkions, and they're like, "We can't do anything with this." Yeah, but it doesn't stop the Quintessons later on. <laughs> and then, and then the universe. The other thing you didn't mention: uh, the Universal <laughs> Greeting. Uh, bah, we run, uh, we where they were gone. like, they were like, "Ba Ram you." <laughs> <laughs> That is, I just love that one scene with the Junkians yeah. where, where it goes back like four, where they say the term four times with four different inflections. And then yes. it's a dance off. It's great. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> and that's where we get Dare to be Stupid. Yes. 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 Dare to be Stupid, which which actually like it was really interesting watching it in the commentary because like they're talking about the tragedy of uh, Ultra. What's his name? Ultra, Ultra Magnus Man? getting killed. Yes. Like they're talking about the tragedy of him him getting killed, and they're still talking to it, talking about it, and then the dare to be stupid music starts because it actually starts. It actually starts in like the like the sort of that sort of like initial fight that they have with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, just a little interesting fact, by the way. Do you know what today? Uh, we're recording this on a Monday, and people will hear it on Saturday. But do you know what this Monday was? Mm, no, what? I don't. Weird Al Yankovic's birthday. Oh, oh cool. happy birthday, Weird Al. Yeah, I believe he's 58. Oh, wow. wow. I did not realize he was in his 50s. <laughs> I didn't realize <laughs> he was that young. Is that how math works? I know. I actually looked this up the other day because of conversations, but uh, 1959. So, yeah, he would be 58. Oh, okay, wow. so I what did get right. I was yeah. worried that I was off by a few years. Huh. As <laughs> if I didn't feel old enough with Kendall here already. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, okay. Oh, and yeah. the, the other, or yeah, no, that's, so there was those the are the, yeah, those are the things, my, my responses to your summary. I have other notes for the later discussion, but, uh, I'll let other people talk now. I was going to say probably everybody has some notes that they'd like to share. I didn't write any notes, but I have mental notes. <laughs> okay. Well, M, why don't you share your mental notes first? And oh, we'll go. Oh, okay. We'll go um, this movie's amazing. Like the animation <laughs> is awesome. Like there's there's parts where the animation isn't good, but overall it's like really fun to look at. Like it's got a really nice look to it. Um, it's definitely got an 80s aesthetic. And like the music, the soundtrack is incredible. Like it's so good. Like even like just a little like there's those full on songs by Stan Bush and the Weird Al song. But then even just like the the music playing all the time. Like the whole soundtrack's amazing. And like yeah, like I, I'll never forget like dare dare to believe you can survive. Yeah, so good. I mean, so even good. now when, when I hear Unicron's theme, like I can clearly picture uh, like the opening scenes of this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I like all the new Autobots. I like I think Hot Rod's a fun character and Cup's a fun character and I like I Dinobots, the characterization. Um I don't really know if there's any more like likes I can get into. It's just I, I just generally like the whole thing. Um I love there's a lot of good lines from it. I like Starscream's coronation was a fun scene. That's a really oh, good, it's scene. Such a good scene. Um but I will say that it's kind of like the movie has like two parts where like it's yeah. a completely different movie before Starscream's a coronation and then it's a new movie after that it's kind of a little strange that way in terms of pacing and everything but i still really enjoyed it it's not like a flaw that like hampered my enjoyment of it one flaw that does flaw that does hamper my enjoyment and my only real dislike of the movie is i don't okay like optimus dying was sad and everything but they all they also gave it like this huge gravitas when like other characters which were fan favorites of kids like gwen like wheel jack is just a corpse like doesn't get a send-off and i think that's like i i mean like I, I wish they didn't kill them at all but if they're gonna do that like maybe like I, do it in like a more heroic way like i don't know it just seems like kind of a like shitty send-off to these characters who are like i'm sure someone's favorite autobot was like ironhide and then when he like just like cold-bloodedly uh, shoots him in the head it's like holy fuck and then like some ironhide kid fan is gonna be like crying is kind of crying their brains out like i don't know like it just seems like a little much, yeah. but um, I still like the movie and I like the new characters. I just, and I even was saying to Cassie when I was watching it, like the Decepticons get killed off, but then they just get remade in a new Decepticons. Like they're all still there. They're just new versions of themselves. So kind of like almost like what they did with Beast Wars where it's like, okay, well, we're not going to put a new character in, but we're going to make Beast uh, Cheetor a new uh, form kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and that's what they do a lot later, but specifically with killing off the characters, the uh, there was an interview with one of the Hasbro execs at the time, and he honestly had said he was just like, I didn't think kids had any emotional attachment to these characters. Aww. I thought that we could just mm-hmm. kill them, like kill them off, and then like kids would just be more than happy to buy the new toys. And instead, there were just like parents writing in about how their kids cried all night. Just like I understand that feeling. Yeah, or I mean, the you know. very explicit <laughs> example that was given in some bonus material at one point talking about how there was literally a child who after viewing this movie locked himself in his bedroom for two weeks. Oh, I, I understand that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm just going to say like when it gets to my time talking about life, death and recycling is going to be something I want to bring up, but go on. Any other big thoughts on it? I mean, yeah, I just, I, like yeah, it's, it's a beautiful movie. Like I, I think it has a like a lot of good 
the action scenes are good. Like I, I love this scene where um, and I've always talked about how I love Transformers. One of the reasons I love the cars and it's how they use those forms to do different things. And there's a lot of that in this movie where like mm-hmm. Cup like transforms into a car, uh, drives up to that um, tank uh, Decepticon, and then like mid transforms, like swings on the on the tank barrel, and then like and like reaims it. And it's just such a cool action scene. And then I think there's that was. Blitzwing that he attacked. Yeah. 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 And then there's, and then like it's stupid, but I love the scene where they're like driving around in the water to make the whirlpool. Like they use their car <laughs> modes to like do really cool things. And then, and I like the different like switching between the two to like uh, have different effects. And it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that in Transformers. Um, other than that, I don't, I'm going to think of something later, <laughs> but uh, for now, <laughs> I'll sound it off to the next person. All right. Who wants to go next? Gwen's next alphabetically. Okay. Um, I guess the first thing I need to talk about because he's the host. Sounds good. Um, The Unicron transformation sequence was always something that it was like the first Mm -hmm. video I hunted for and tracked down on the internet. Just because um, I do own the Transformers the movie soundtrack. It was the first CD I ever bought. Nice. Um, And the one thing that was never on there is the Unicron theme wasn't on the CD. They have the oh, escape theme, they have the uh, attack on Autobot City theme, and they have the death of Optimus Prime, yep. which I always skip past on the CD. Um, it It's emotionally draining. It is. <laughs> and I just, it was the one scene that I it always stuck with me of just the dread on Galvatron's face as he's just like, I've got this great plan. I'm going to get the thing that just, that makes me free and sets me free of Unicron and makes me his master. And then it's just like, fuck, (laughs) fuck. And it's just, he goes from a guy on a planet to just like, I am so small that I get picked up and just eaten. Like an ant. Yeah. Transformers Vor. Oh, (laughs) Transformers Vor is very much a theme in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Unicron eats a lot of robots. Yeah, and, and then digest them. Yeah, you that's, see yeah, that even. Yeah, there's 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 scenes of how he turns it into energy to power him. Yeah, like and ah, uh, it is gruesome. Just the screaming and the watching the robots melting down. Yeah, and the other thing I love is the fight for Autobot City. Just I don't know those transformation sequences always got me as a kid. Yeah, of just all those moving parts. Um, but the coronation scene is something that I think is always worth talking about because one, the scene where Starscream's kicking everybody off off Astro Train, and he's just like mm-hmm. he has been waiting the entire series. Like every time <laughs> Megatron turns his back, he's trying to stab him. He's like, Megatron's down. I am literally going to just pick him up and throw him out. I love that he doesn't even wait for Starscream. I love the kick Starscream gives Megatron when he's like down on the ground. He's like, yeah. <laughs> like what's an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> I love Starscream's voice too. Fuck, it's amazing. Oh, uh, Starscream, I think was Cobra Commander. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Frank Walker was a uh, Megatron before he yeah. turned into Galvatron, right? Yeah. Yes. They, they were really good voices. Uh, and who was it? It was Chris Lada who was Starscream. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. Just those inflections, and I feel like Starscream was a major loss in there. And just mm-hmm. that coronation scene is all of the original series. Like, it's everything Starscream ever wanted. And yeah. it, it literally all turns to ash. <laughs> this is bad comedy. I love that line. <laughs> 
what I thought was really cool is somebody posted today um, from the Transformers wiki, there is a monument to Starscream in season three, and it's just his feet. (laughs) God. That is all that his monument is. But yeah, that's those are the scenes that always stuck with me. Any major dislikes? (sighs) Not really, but I see this movie through such rose-colored glasses because (laughs) I... I think I first saw this at like six or seven, somewhere in there. And so this movie has always just been like, you know, the the pinnacle of those initial seasons of Transformers are this just wonderful, really sad send off. But this just opening of a new chapter. The one thing that I always say is this movie made me this movie in season three made me really dislike Hot Rod mm-hmm. and if you read um, More Than Meets the Eye or Lost Light, the new IDW series, those have actually made Hot Rod somebody that I really love and I have a new appreciation for. Yeah, I've heard that, too. I've not gotten a yeah. chance to read those, but that was one thing that I was sort of keen on. I want to try and check them out because of how they've treated Hot Rod in it. I feel oh, like he is. Hot... Sorry. He's a lovable buffoon. It's great. <laughs> I feel like Hot Rod is like, pretty good in this movie it's just that because he's replacing Optimus Prime a lot of people don't like him I mm-hmm. feel like yeah. he's fine as a character yeah. yeah yeah I was gonna say like for most most people I know who really like Hot Rod they just consider him from the movie apparently part of the third season soured him even on people who were were mostly meh yeah so it's like a combination of things but if you just take him on the movie it's he's he's an okay character you know yeah. and actually um, here's a funny little tidbit of trivia for you uh, you remember when Hot Rod makes his appearance in Transformers Animated? Mm-hmm. It's still the same voice actor who does the voice of him again from the movie. That's awesome. Oh, I like yeah. him in Animated. Yeah. He only has a short Judd little Nelson? scene, but he was cool. Yep. Judd Nelson reprised the role in Animated. <laughs> I, read a, I read a good uh, Tumblr post about uh, Hot Rod's color scheme the other day, too. I think Jordan might have shared it. I don't know. But uh, mm. it talked about how he was like magenta and everyone thought he was red and and no, yeah it was, it was an interesting thing oh, okay <laughs> um i oh also speaking of weird things with voice actors um also animated had uh Rekgar show up and I, think we, I think we mentioned this well, weird before. al was him yeah weird al did the voice and he actually quoted the line i dare to be stupid at one point in the show yeah Aww. oh and they also did the universal greeting in that episode oh that's right <laughs> But there was hand movements with it, and apparently the hand movements that he did with it hit a button that triggered an explosion. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, are, anything else, Quinn? Uh, no, I think that's it for me. Okay, okay. Jordan, oh, I thought you? it was already Jordan's turn. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just wanted to make sure before I actually like started going more into okay, it. Okay, okay. Go uh, for so, it, Jordan. So I know I saw this in theaters. I can't remember that experience very well. I just remember seeing Transformers on on the screen. It was probably it's like some like noon showing with a bunch of other kids though, so it was more like a party, you know, kids party atmosphere. Yeah. Uh a lot of the things that I find like, you know, problem or anything like that are definitely looking back at it with an adult and more intelligence a lot of things I didn't even realize as a kid. Um just specifically the deaths, like now when I look at them like, you know, they're they're the way death is treated in this show is even more confusing than Beast Wars. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some are, are, are graphic and deadly, some are not. And then, you know, they come back, they don't come back, they're, they're dead and they're not dead. I mean, it didn't hit me as a kid. So, like, 
only the graphic ones had any impact and even then wasn't really much of a thing to me like Optimus dying like while I was sad at the scene I was sad to see him go and that stuff like that for some reason it didn't feel to me like he was dead dead for good like oh. I didn't didn't get it as a kid as but, a kid I think I probably thought as I watched as a kid on VHS I probably thought the other characters just got knocked out and Optimus was the only one to actually die just because that's kind of how I thought as a kid because I tried to like eliminate death from my viewing as much as I could. That makes sense. <laughs> but then, you know, you got scenes with like, oh, I remember like Prowl, you know, coughing up smoke and burns from his eyes when he get, explodes. And uh, the and just, you know, Megatron just coldly shooting Ironhide was kind of a jarring thing that uh, I m more remember now than, than as a kid. Uh, but I definitely remember the two things that were like, definitely affected me as a kid was as like Gwen said, the melting in the acid vat. Those those <sighs> robots screaming yeah. and melting in their faces always, always like freaked me out. Can't and the other flame, one, yeah. And the other one was uh, was honestly was uh was Starscream because he disintegrated. He was basically like like you said, reduced to ashes. So there was like, you know, to there was no way my kid mind could gloss over it was like, oh he's still around, just you know, broken. No, he was he was dust. He was gone. And and it's just kind of weird, like like I said, like it's just kind of weird how this movie plays with that, that it kind of just makes it really weird for for a kid growing up and even looking back on it. But I still kind of really like this movie. There's so much, there's so much about it that it's just so fun. Like rewatching it, I didn't like. It's been a while since I last watched it, and I forgot how funny it actually was. Sometimes, like it was. Like, you know how sometimes a kid's show will throw in, like, little side jokes and stuff like that, and they're supposed to be, like, ha-ha, silly things for kids. But they actually tried to do really good jokes in there as well. Like, you know, they've actually tried to do, you know, like, most shows try to do things that are, like, most kids' shows sometimes now try to do things that are jokes for the kids and jokes for the the parents with the kids watching it with them. Mm -hmm. And it's this, I forgot that this movie seemed to actually do that, too. You know, like, I always thought it was more of just, like, something more action and jokes for kids and i don't know like i love i love all the scenes with starscream honestly <laughs> they were they were they were i love all the things that happened to him i just loved and like laughed at so much uh like i think and like even like at the coronation they had comedy there where he where he shot the trumpets off yes that's good and yeah. the tf and the tf wiki even like m once mentioned was like how are the, how are all the constructor cons blowing the horns only two of them have mouths <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it it's i don't know like this is definitely like one of these movies that i'll always like keep in my mind will be in my top you know top five movies that i'll probably watch again and again or share with people yeah and and while i try very hard not to go like if someone says oh i haven't seen this movie oh like you haven't you gotta go see like you know while i'll want someone to get, see it if they haven't seen it uh you know like i i don't want to push it on anyone but this is definitely one of those movies where, like, we have to watch this sometime if you ever get a chance, you know? Like, yeah. if you haven't seen it, we need to sit down and watch it. Well, the thing is, too, a lot of people might think that it's somehow tied into the, the Michael Bay movies. and But then, you know, you have to remind them, hey, this came out, like, yeah. literally 20 years before the Michael Bay movies did, so. Yeah, and, I mean, there's just, uh, like, the soundtrack works so well with it. Um, I actually... I actually kind of like really enjoyed the new characters. I liked how they set them up. I, and like I said, in retrospect, it, it, 
you know, you can kind of see, oh, yeah, they did a lot of things to clear the way for them because of new toy lines and stuff like that and, and be cynical about it. But at least they still gave them a good story. Yeah. You know, yeah. so like, like, yeah, I mean, you know, cynically, yeah, they're new toys. So push away and get to get to them. But, at, you know, they could have it could have been worse. They could have just not mentioned the uh, other other ones at all. Or 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 just pretend like they've always been around, like they do on Power Rangers. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> they they did that in season two of Transformers. A whole bunch of new Autobots show up, and they yeah. don't explain where they come from. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So I mean, yeah, it has its flaws, and yeah, it's definitely something that I would say is perpetually '80s. But but you know, I wouldn't I would not not say there's not much wrong with this. Like. Like you'd have to, you'd have to say, you'd have to put down some very, very big faults for me to, to ever turn against this movie. Yeah. My turn. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I've been trying to be quiet because I got a bunch of stuff to say. Okay. So That's first, not a bad thing. first, um, I want to address, I want to rebuttal. Uh, no, <laughs> I want to address a couple <laughs> things that you, that you guys said. So, Gwen, you said that uh, the first video that you ever. Uh, looks up on the internet was the uh, Unicron transformation. Uh, mine was oops, I did it again. <laughs> I, I think that might say something about a, a slight difference in age, though. <laughs> um, well, uh, well, also, I mean, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know how old you are, but uh, I mean, you're you, well, you said you're too old for Transformers, so you're obvious. I'm too young for Transformers, so. Uh, <laughs> I guess that makes me feel young. Uh, also, that was like, I, I mean, like that was like when you started to get, I would imagine that when you looked that up was probably around the year 2000, because you could only, that was when you could start to find videos online. Um, anyway. Uh, and then um, if you want to know more about my year 2000 musical taste, listen to the upcoming <laughs> podcast. That's what we called music on the Kendall cast iTunes feed. I knew you were going to plug that somewhere. Along the line. Um, uh, starting November 10th, I think is the arbitrary date I chose. Uh, and then you guys, none of you guys have mentioned the shark cons. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Cause I, there's stuff I like about them, but I didn't want to like go ramble on. Right. About right. Them. It's just, it's interesting. Cause it wasn't, I, I, Greg didn't mention it in the summary and then, and then there, I should like, have like when uh when the quintessence is that what they're called the the yeah headed, yeah well some people thing either they call them quintessence or quintessons one of the two yeah one of one of those two well they same. pronounce it quintessa in uh the Michael Bay movie so I think that's yeah. canon so that's the correct pronunciation well, um so that is the name of the planet quintessa is actually the okay uh so uh but but that scene. Uh, I feel like was was really like that one. You like literally see them. They're like, I, he's like, I'm a guy. I'm the last survivor of my race. And they're like, you will die now. And he gets thrown to the sharks. <laughs> that oh, I think yeah. is. I didn't forget to mention that. Yeah, that's the sharks. I also love how like they're declaring them innocent before executing them. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. super goofy. I think that's they just ridiculous. sit there and laugh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. Oh, Kendall. Yeah. Did you realize that the, that guy who dies was the literal last survivor of the planet that Unicron ate at the start? Yeah, of the movie? yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's okay. yeah. I caught, I caught that he said that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It took me actually. It took me until the second viewing to realize that he was one of the people from that planet. But I did catch hmm. that he was Bill. he was that. I mean, that to me is okay. the most that to me is the most brutal scene in the movie. Um, but also ridiculous because they say innocent and they don't like explain <laughs> why. 
they say that, but <laughs> it's yeah, just to like be a, like, it's just to be like, know. look how evil we are. We say yeah. innocent. You're on this random planet and you're confused why you're not on the same planet as the other people. And I'm going to confuse you even more by saying innocent. Um, mm. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so I'm going to actually, so I think that was, that was my responses to stuff, but my actual notes. Okay. So, uh, the director, um, first of all, the, if you get a chance to listen to the, uh, audio commentary, you can kind of tell that it was kind of thrown together pretty quickly. Cause like one, the, the writer guy, like kind of is leading and kind of knows what he wants to talk about and stuff. Uh, but the director doesn't speak English. They really probably should have had a translator for him. And, oh no. And the, uh, and then, and then the, uh, uh, I mean, he speaks, he speaks some English, but yeah. Uh, yeah. English is not I, his work, first I work at his, I work at a Japanese company. I understand. Uh, and, and then, and then, uh, and then, and then the voice of, uh, of, of uh rc she was she was fine but like she's you know she's sort of she's a voice actor so she's got kind of limited creative you know she's got a particular point of view or, or it's like susan, yeah. susan blue, blue. Um, yeah and but she's she's done she did voice stuff. directing later for yeah Transformers. well i yeah. think in we born these wars she did didn't she or no? I that sounds think right she i was, think she did the voice of uh transmute oh she oh, did that's right she did yes yeah, yeah, and I yeah, I know she was also involved behind the scenes with with Beast Wars as well cuz that's why uh uh my great A and RC. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that line. But um but yeah, she was a voice director for Beast Wars. But yeah, the the uh the director guy like the, especially at the beginning they're like, you know, Unicron was a very controversial character. I'm going to let you tell tell the story as to why why Unicron was a controversial character. And the director guy's like, "Uh well, here we see he's eating a planet." And he basically just he spends like a minute and a half just describing what's happening on film. Oh, <laughs> um, so that was that was. The, but there were a few. He did have a few good insights because after the beginning, he basically just like the other two were were talking to each other and having kind of a conversation, and then he would just sort of say things that were. You know, like he was watching he'd be like, okay, watch this scene. This is a thing. Uh, I guess he he wanted to point out that Autobots, uh, their technology and their costumes and stuff tend to use a lot of orange, whereas the Decepticons yeah. tend to use a lot of purple. And that was yes. very important because there's a lot of characters and you aren't always sure who's the good guys and who's the bad guys. Yeah, that is actually kind of one of the nice things I liked about the old series is that there was a very specific color code to two things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Purples and greens for Decepticons and like generally more primary colors for the Autobots. Oh, well there was, there was exceptions like Springer's green. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so there were a lot of, I mean that also, you know, there were a lot of characters that they had to include in this movie, you know, give, give characters at least some sort of death, you know, some sort of closure, you, you know, even if it's, even if it's quick, uh, and then also introduce a bunch of new characters. Um, so considering that, I think they actually did a pretty good job. I mean, I don't have any emotional connection to characters that got killed off. Most of them. I mean, when I watch it, like the only named characters that I know that get killed are Optimus and, uh, and, uh, the Iron Knight Starscream. No, well, Starscream, but like, uh, uh, Ultra Magnus, Optimus, and Ultra oh. Magnus. It seemed uh. like yeah, Optimus, Ultra Magnus, and Starscream, and then Unicron at the end were really the only deaths that you actually like that Optimus actually matter. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah. Um, uh, uh, I, I officially do not like that Optimus doesn't have a mouth. He looks like he has, <laughs> okay. in the, especially in this, because other takes on it when he has like, like in Beast Wars when he puts the thing down so you can't see his mouth, it then doesn't move. I really don't like the the <laughs> surgical mask just moving up and down. Yeah, it either yeah. looks like a surgical mask or like he's got like a really bad overbite. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, the uh, writer guy said that Optimus's trailer is made of disappearium. That's yes. why it disappears. <laughs> um, I really liked the one shall stand, one shall fall line that Optimus said. Yeah, and so when good. I was watching it, I was like, wow, this is early that Optimus gets killed. I mean, I knew he got killed in the first act. I just thought yeah. it was like halfway through the movie because that first that first 20 minutes or so is is all just just explosive action. Very, very yeah. quick. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, so Prime here is very seems very uh, I say reckless. That's not the word that I want, but he ruthless, I think, is what I meant. Like he's like Megatron is sitting there begging for his life and Optimus. He does hesitate, but he was totally going to mm -hmm. shoot Megatron when he was on his knees begging for his life. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but that's it's built up over years of yeah. Megatron, you know, is like. I'm going to do this thing. And then Optimus just knows him so well that he knows that there's that gun laying there. No, I mean, I'm, I, I like um, this, this quote. It actually has a quote here on the, on the wiki page. You who are without mercy now plead for it. I thought you were made of sterner stuff. It's a good line. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. he's, he yeah, he calls him out that he's, he's yeah. faking it. I mean, that's, and it's I'm not saying that's, something. that's wrong, but if it was, I mean, if that was Superman, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, if, if that was Superman, he would have, he would have taken pity on him or he would have, you know, whatever. Uh, I thought it was really interesting that he's, especially cause they're all holding guns that look like guns and yeah. just sort of the, the general. And then, yeah. And I mean, yeah. And, uh, um, Megatron just shot the guy in the head. The, uh, the one, the named character that you guys keep naming that I keep forgetting. Ironhide. Ironhide. Like, yeah. you know, it just it was very um it actually reminded me of michael uh, of of the optimus from the michael bay movies i mean huh. not hmm. not necessarily not necessarily to that extent but uh, but i mm -hmm. could see how um if this is your starting point if optimus already ha has always had a dark side then taking that to the into and putting it into the gritty 2007 pre iron man comic book movie mold you know, mm -hmm. trying to make this yeah. the 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 Batman begins of Transformers. Like I could see how I could see how you could get from point A to point B. You could totally imagine him yelling for somebody's face. <laughs> Give me your face. <laughs> <laughs> I'll address I'll address that when it's my turn. Okay. I, I I understand where you're coming from with it completely. Yeah. I just I've got a take on it that. That no, that's that's fine. Said shed a bit of light on. It. I mean, that's fine, and I'm not saying one's one's like. I'm not saying that the Michael Bay version is better. I mean, also like there are lines that you don't want to cross with a heroic character, and the Michael yeah. Bay Optimus sometimes pushes past that, especially yeah. the way that the character has evolved over the you know over the years. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Uh, so there's no gravity in space, so uh, <laughs> there shouldn't be. There shouldn't be uh, they shouldn't have a problem with uh, too much weight. Uh, but uh, the, the writer guy, he said, 
uh, yeah, we knew there's no gravity in space. Also, uh, and the, he was, there was another, there was a scene like right there where I think it was like one of the cassette tapes transforms into a bigger robot. He's like, also, we didn't care about scale. Um, <laughs> yeah, there, that those were actually pointed out in continuity errors. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, um, although there was okay. one, int- there was an actually an interesting thing about that mass, that uh, weight line. Uh, they said that it looked like at the time that, um, and especially since when they were letting go of the Decepticons, throwing them out on the ship, they felt really quickly past it that he that the that Astrotrain was trying to accelerate, like he had mm-hmm. to accelerate to get to like a certain speed velocity, and in which case less mass would help him be be able to you know be able to get there. So like they could have said less mm-hmm. mass, and it would have been actually like fit like a physics correct like right. thing. But you know that. That's a kind of a mouthful to yeah, say. I mean, he specifically says he wait. specifically says wait. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. but 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 someone pointed out that there is like a very contrived way to <laughs> yeah to, yeah yeah to, yeah. to, to rationalize. Yeah, actually, actually, they were speaking Cybertronian. It's it's actually yeah. just a bad translation. <laughs> if you were reading the subs instead of just getting the dub, then then you'd, you'd understand. I'm surprised you didn't say anything about RC saying about uh worried about you or then saying about worried about you for a microsecond. Oh, I didn't catch. I didn't catch that. Um, Ken, uh, I, I'm sorry to interrupt your thing, but I, I'm curious. What do you think of the cassettecons Now that you've seen what they were supposed to be like in G1, like you, you seem to seem to be too keen on them uh, when we did Beast Wars. So how okay. do you have Ravage in G1? <laughs> okay, so um, there were a couple of things that, like, I now in later incarnations of Transformers, I now appreciate a little bit more. I definitely okay. would have appreciated the Starscream episode more um, if I had seen the movie. Yeah, because he's great in this movie. Like, like, because yeah. he's well, I don't, I didn't like him as much as you guys. I thought he was like a worse pterosaur. Um, <laughs> oh, he. I mean, he's I mean, the proto. Yeah, I mean, he's the proto. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, Bob Dylan's first album is not his best album. It doesn't mean it's oh, not absolutely. a good album. What yeah. I um, meant by him being good in this episode is that he's comedically good. Yeah, there are yeah. Some many good comic bits with I, him. I, I don't know. I I hear what you're saying. I did not <laughs> like. It didn't. I I didn't buy into him as much as as other characters. That's why I didn't necessarily bring him up. But I. But yeah, the Starscream episode of Beast Wars. Um, I think I 100 percent would have appreciated it because they make direct reference to this movie, and I would have understood what they were talking about. Um, yes. You. Uh, but to be fair, I got all the Calculon, Megadron, Galvat, who's a what's. I got all those mixed up in the in the episode in the episode of the show, and then you, Greg, you and your summary got Galvatron and Unicron mixed up, and the director yeah. of the film in the commentary got them mixed up too. So I don't I don't feel as bad about that now. Um, <laughs> But uh, but if too many Tron. I, I kind yeah. of feel bad. I, I feel bad if we did make you feel bad because. Well, like no, said, no. Like I mean, you, I didn't feel bad. You, you know, I mean, I feel. Yeah. I guess I feel more justified in the fact that I was confused hearing all these names oh, yeah. completely out of context. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, so that so that episode, I would I would have it would have inc- improved my enjoy my enjoyment of it. Also, um, who's the who's the the pterodactyl looking Decepticon? Swoop at the beginning. Or, oh, at the be- 
like needle nose oh, that's or something. Laser, that's laser beak. Laser yes, beak. That's who shows yeah, up that's... in the third Michael Bay movie? Yes. Yeah. Um. I. I. It makes me like that movie, the third Michael Bay movie, more. Because uh, because oh. um because what they did is they took a character they took a character from the the G one movie and then put it into the context of a Michael Bay movie in a way that it was you know not the same character but you could see how you went from one to the other. Uh, What they did with Ravage is took a concept that was goofy. I mean, the cassette tapes are goofy and um, especially since like, especially since like, and they have like one on each side and they have to turn into a boom box in order to plug into the communications thing, (laughs) which is, I mean, it's, it's fine. I mean, it's fine. It's goofy. Like in this, in this movie, it it mixed the it mixed the goofy with the serious really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think that in in that context on uh, on Beast Wars, especially because it was like a pretty serious episode, uh, and then and then they had also developed Ravage as being this like really cool character. Mm-hmm. Having him turn into a cassette tape randomly with no context was <laughs> was bad. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Yeah, I get you. But yeah, I yeah. do think I do think that the the uh, the um the cassette tapes are are dumb and goofy, and that's fine in the context. I think that this movie actually kind of suffered a little bit because you had the cassette tape dudes, and you had the Constructicons, and you had the Dinobots, and you have the regular two factions. Like I would imagine, I would imagine that like and the show, yeah, the sh- <laughs> and, and you had Unicron. You know the. <laughs> I would imagine that the and the bug icons, the bug things. Yeah, the insecticons. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. You said insecticons. And that. Yeah. And then they introduce the junk people and the and the shark. Like there's just so many characters in this (laughs) movie. Um, I would imagine that the the TV show, obviously, which is, you know, completely different animal. But I would imagine that if you're telling a story in, in the context of a TV show that you would have a much smaller cast. Oh, uh, definitely. Deal with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like much, much smaller. Actually, that was kind of one of the cons I wanted to point, bring up is that there's a lot of stuff packed in here that they they basically tease out over the over the next couple of seasons of the of the TV series and like explain like what why Wheelie was on Quintesta or or like who the Quintessions are in fact and stuff like that mm-hmm. that you know like I kind of feel bad that you know if for because even if you're a fan of the show. All this stuff is new, and you're not going to see uh, how any of it actually works until like, you know, months or weeks yeah. after this fact. Well, it kind of I the more and also the more I think about it, it kind of uh, feels like the way that comic event comic book events are written now. Like you have the main book, and that is a million characters. You know, stories kind of a little bit all over the place. You don't. It's kind of a little bit hard to follow because it was hard for me to. It was legitimate. This film was legitimately hard for me to follow, especially the first time I watched it. Um, And then you have the, you know, you have the tie in, the tie in comics that kind of go a little bit more in depth on individual characters stories. And I would imagine that, that, yeah, you would have this and then you would have, uh, you know, the show, the show after that would address things that happened in the movie. And then also, like, if you had watched the first two seasons of the show, you would know who, you know, most of the characters are. Um, the, uh, the last thing, the last thing that I wanted to bring up, um, is how this movie does a really good job of being about a transition. Um, 
because Optimus, even though he's Optimus and we think of him as this big deal guy, you know, at that point he had, he was the leader of this, he was the leader of this, you know, this team. I mean, yeah, GI Joe has Duke, uh, but like with GI Joe and with transformers kind of different from, from where children's TV shows and stuff uh, went later, the it's more about it's it's more about this ensemble cast rather than just a few key uh, main characters. So they didn't realize how you know how much depth Optimus's death was, or, you know how much how much impact Optimus's death was going to have. But yeah. you have it 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 feels like this is the next chapter. Like Optimus Optimus dies, he hands off his his matrix of leadership. Um, you know, it goes to the wrong person at first, and then and then ends up you know, going to the right, ends up getting into the right hands. Um, it's a really cool, it's a really cool, uh, film about, you know, about transition and it's, and it's got this, you know, that, that death it's, it almost reminds me of like, like Julius Caesar or something in that, like things are one way. And then this big, important character dies and ev- and it changes everything. And then, you know, you go from there. Yeah. So it's it cool okay. stuff. And, uh, here, and why was Dare to be stupid in the movie? I mean, it was great. It's my favorite thing, but like it didn't fit at all. But it also it, did it, fit it, perfectly. Yeah, because it, it fit the junket cons or whatever they're called pretty well, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, I mean, do remember that this was at the 80s and that, and I guess, you know, Weird Al had, had a popularity spike then. So, I mean, oh, yeah. So it might have just been something like we want to get something that, uh, you know, like the teens are into. So they'll come in and watch the movie with the kids. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it, it could have been something as simple as that. Otherwise, I mean, I don't know. Maybe uh, like I was saying before, just the fact that they're they're based all of their things off TV, like their speech patterns and stuff like that, that the nonsensical and common non-common sense things that are in Dare to be Stupid, because a lot of lines like are from TV commercials. Right, know, like right, right. Squeeze a bunch of Charmin when Mr. Whipple's not around, like that stuff like that. So maybe they just thought it fit them specifically. Yeah, I mean it it worked it worked, but also it's just I don't know, it was just so <laughs> yeah. so bizarre. And it's, and like especially cuz it was right after the, you know, that death, that death scene. Yeah. It it just was a weird a weird shift in tone that I just can't get over. <laughs> And then Weird Al was music was on Walking Dead this week too, and yeah, I heard that about that. Was like, what what's going on? And I discovered a Weird Al podcast, and it, uh, everything Weird Al's everywhere. Huh. And today's his birthday. Everything's coming up Weird Al. I guess, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. that's oh, and the one the one other thing I just I wanted to comment on the on the uh, the animation style. Uh, Really, especially, especially like the 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 introductory sequence, like the the opening scene where uh, Unicron eats the planet and everything. It yeah. had this it had this look of like eighties and early nineties anime. Like it really reminded yeah. me of Cowboy Bebop, mm-hmm. which is which is really cool. I, I I always get kind of excited when I when I when I see that. Uh, yeah, so go watch the movie, guys. <laughs> that's my recommendation and then i guess it's greg's turn now i suppose so um i mean it's not gonna be a shocker for anybody this is like one of my favorite movies of all time mm-hmm. um it, to 
God damn it. I had points I was going to make for you, Kendall. Um, I can't even remember them now. Um, was it about Optimus? Yeah. yeah. Um, with with regards to Optimus, I mean, yeah, the movie, we sort of see that that hinting. And I think it's more of a hinting of what... Because the thing you need to realize with, with G1 Optimus is the, the war has continued on, but a bunch of them have been sort of in stasis lock for millions of years. And the war has continued on. In the Bay universe, Optimus was never in stasis. So he has literally been fighting a war for millions and millions of years. So, I mean, from a mental point of view, you have one guy who's sort of been taken out of the equation for a good chunk of time, then put back in as opposed to the guy who's been there from the beginning through all of it. Um, It wouldn't surprise me if... In G1, we didn't have him yanked out and then put back in at the start of the G1 series. It wouldn't have been a stretch in my mind to see him much more cutthroat like he is in the Bayformers universe. Mm-hmm. But I think it's good in a way. Like, well, obviously, because, I mean, this is a kid show. You can't have a bloodthirsty right, main right. character. Um, but at the same time, we also get to see a bit more. Because originally in G1, he was this... He was like a he was like a an archivist in G one uh, before he became Prime. So he was he was actually a pacifist, and then he's attacked by Megatron. Then he's turned into Prime, and things progress from there. Um, so I I can certainly agree with you that it was you know we see that shade of Optimus being a little more cutthroat than what we might have been used to, but at the same time I think we are also he in his mind might have been thinking, okay, this is pretty much the end game of this millions of year long war. I've got the guy who's responsible for it literally dead to rights right now. And I could end it right here and now. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be sort of like in World War II, somebody had a, had Hitler in his sights. It was like, oh my God, I can end the war right now if I just take this guy out. Um, but I guess the superhero what- trope is. That they don't do that. That yeah. it w- if you do that, you're just as bad as if Batman shoots the Joker, he's just as bad as the Joker. Exactly. Or if you know, if Spider Man kills Norman Osborn, he's just as bad as Norman <laughs> Osborn. Or you know, if Superman kills Lex Luthor, then he's proven everything that Lex Luthor has said right all these years. Yeah. But I posit to you that with that being said, if Optimus was not the hero that he was he wouldn't have paused. He would have taken the right, shot instead right. of hearing Megatron out. So no, I that's really I mean, that's, see where you're coming from. It's, and I mean, and I mean, yes, if he was, if he, yeah, I mean him pausing there is shows that he is a good guy. Like yeah. it's just, I, the, the observation is that it's, he's, he's different from like, I, I literally, like I think of him, you know, I, I think of him as, as being Optimus primal <laughs> Optimus mm-hmm. primal would have, would have dropped his weapon and said, yeah, <laughs> and said, said you're under arrest. Yeah. 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 He, he would have said, yeah, he would have said, okay, Megatron, you want to join the Maximals? I'll give you a chance. <laughs> but, oh, wow. It should have like, been, that should have been an episode. Where Megatron oh tried to join God, the Maximals. that would have been awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but overall with this movie, I mean, for me, G1 was like, 
the building blocks for me. That's what I started on as a kid. My earliest memories are getting an Optimus Prime toy, watching this the cartoon in the afternoon while I'm at my babysitters, and just you know always remembering Autobots are the good guys, the Decepticons are the bad guys. And the first time I saw this movie, I think I think it would have been my older sister brought it to visit, and I watched it for the first time, and my parents were like sort of shocked with the level of violence in it. But at the same time, they I also, thought they also swear. Yes. Like they added in some of the theatrical releases, they edited it out. Yeah. But they did swear in that in original text. So yeah, twice. I, 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 like, oh, I heard shit. the guy say shit. Yeah. yeah do you know, I, do you know sure why they swear? I know trivia. Oh, <laughs> uh, the dude on the commentary, he said the reason that they inserted the swear words was so that they would get a PG rating. Because yes. oh. they knew they were afraid that it would have a G rating, and so little teeny tiny kids would get there, and then it <laughs> and would be would crazy violence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like they, oh. they wanted it to be. But I think it was like it was probably like it was one of those things where it was like on the border of whether it would be rated G or PG. Um, yeah. They oh. didn't want it, and so they wanted it to be like a hard PG. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes sense. But I mean, for me. Um, it has this movie has so many iconic moments for me with the whole Transformers as a whole. Um, Optimus taking it upon himself to turn the tide of the battle. Uh, like you guys said, seeing him in his truck form running over Decepticons and <laughs> seeing that reflection in the grill, it just, oh, just I remember that and it's like clear as day from when I was a kid. And I thought it was so cool seeing that at the time. And just having that little explosion where he transforms and he leaps up into the air and is just picking so cool. people off with his gun. <laughs> and it, it's it, it's so much nostalgia and so much 80s nostalgia that, it yeah, it's it takes me back to being a kid. And that's the sort of thing that I want to have from a movie like that. If I'm going to watch a movie like that, I want to be transported back. I want to relive those moments and be reminded of what I felt when I was a kid. And I always get that when I watch this movie. And it's not often that I think that you can say that with, with a movie, um, especially in this day and age. Now, mind you, there could be somebody now who has watched like the Marvel movies. And so in 10, 15 years time, 20 years time, they'll go back and they'll remember what it was like to watch those as a kid. And it might be the exact same experience. But for me, this was the quintessential Transformers experience that anytime I think back on, it's this movie that I think of the most. So Nice. Yeah. And I'm not going to say it's a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination. No. <laughs> um, I love the animation of it. But there's certainly errors in the animation, and you can tell that they were sort of stretched for time at points too. So, you know. yeah, I'd say it's I'd say it's in my in my top three uh, Transformers movies. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, it's actually in probably my top three movies. And you know which movie would, pro- would probably edge over it in for the number one spot? That. Titanic. Clue. Uh, <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> A few random comments about the movie. I like how this movie kind of deposit deposits that like organic aliens, like organic life in the universe is kind of rare. Sure. Apparently, yeah. because like everyone's a robot <laughs> that's not in the human. Like you know, like there's no like organic aliens or anything. Things kind of fun. Robo fishes, robo squids. And actually, 
I watched it with my girlfriend, and she was like, why is everything a Transformer? Like, everywhere, like, the Shockatrons and everything. But it kind of does make more, a little more sense when you say that it's, it's Quintessa, like, it's a planet of the people who created a Transformer. So, okay, it makes sense that there's a bunch of Transforming things on that planet. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's my thoughts. So. So, we've got a news post, and we've got some questions. So, how do we want to tackle the news post like we normally do? And then we'll tackle some questions. Sounds good. Okay. Can we take a, a the... short break? I need to like uh, reset my brain. Sure. Okay. We'll take we'll take a quick break and then we'll be right back with the news posts and questions. Nice. See, now you have a chance to play some of that great, great music from the movie. <laughs> Yay! Put down the chains and listen to me. It's time for us to join in the fight. We've got a news post provided by Casey again. Uh, of course, you can find Casey on Twitter at Lady K Hirsch. Uh, Casey opens up by saying, hey there, beasties. Casey here with more of that good, good news. I heard you all didn't learn your lesson about reviewing movies and watch the Transformers movie from 1986. I'm sure you're all shocked to learn that this version of Hot Rod does not have a French accent, turn into a Lamborghini, or shoot a gun that stops the time. Currently, I'm... She's dealing with some health issues, but she'll try to keep this one short and sweet. Uh, so, feel better. yes, we hope that you yeah. feel Cassie better. Cassie did soon. mention, she was like, why does he have a French accent? She made a joke about that when we watched it. <laughs> um, first up, a little bit of movie news. Uh, we now know definitively that there will be there will only be four Cybertronians in the new movie that's coming out in the new Bumblebee movie. Uh, we know two of them are the titular Bumblebee himself and that uh, the red uh, Decepticon rally car that uh, we'd seen the picture of from quite some time ago. Uh, presumably the other two are the black vehicle and white vehicle that were mentioned before. Uh, the movie itself also has apparently entered its final week of filming. Uh, she goes on to say that that was fast and it feels like they Barely started filming the dang thing. Uh, second up, we have another third-party Beast Transformer on the way, courtesy of Perfect Effect. Uh, this one, uh, Jordan, I think you just linked it, didn't you? Yeah. The, yeah. the one didn't go automatically to a picture because it's a landing page with some multiple pictures. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this one is Origin Xerxes is a Nemesis Prime style repaint of Origin Leonidas. Uh, their third party take on Leo Convoy uh, we looked at a while back. Yeah, that uh, got the lion guy with the lion head shoulder pad, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love that guy. Leo Convoy's yeah. he, awesome. Oh, and you might want to take a well, might want to take a look at this one. Yeah. 
Um, impressive. She she says she loves these colors on this, uh, especially the emphasis on the blue highlights compared to a lot of other Nemesis repaints. Uh, she's not sure if this dude is a specific reference to a character from Fission uh, she doesn't know about, or if it's just a case of, these colors are cool, let's make this. Uh, <laughs> if she had to make a guess, he might be a partial homage to Nemesis Breaker from Transformers Cybertron. Then she provides a link and says, Oh, Could this be looks a coincidence, cool. Though. It's got the blue and black look, and he's got his giant fucking cloud buster sword. Yeah. I want this toy. <laughs> the lion's silver maned. Yeah. Ooh, I love it. I love it. Uh, how much is this? 160 Six fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, lastly, but certainly not least, uh, we have some huge news that she totally forgot to go over last week. Uh, she's got to blame all the wild turkey fumes coming from Kendall on it. Uh, but anyway, we, we got our first look at the upcoming cartoon Transformers Cyberverse. And she provides us with a, uh, a picture. Uh, as you can see, we get a good look at our central protagonists, Bumblebee and Windblade, as well as a big old Optimus Prime in the background. Uh, Bumblebee, much like his design from the Authentics toy line, is a combo of the classic G1 look with some dashes of the more modern incarnations. In particular, he reminds her of Bumblebee's IDW design. Uh Windblade looks like Windblade always does. Yeah. Um, so no big changes there. Uh, we can't see much of Optimus, but despite him not having a faceplate, the rest of his head design is actually very G1 inspired compared to most of his recent head designs. Most importantly, though, noses are back. Reunited, and it feels so good. And also, there's no faceplate, Kendall, so you might actually like that design. <laughs> so. I was going to also point out, I'm actually kind like of been finding more, yeah. <laughs> more and more information about Windblade. Like, I don't... She was later in the season of G1, right? She uh, was not in G1. She okay. was a later incarnation. For, yeah, okay, because I know she's in an IDW, or IDW yeah. and stuff like that. For the, for the record, I don't necessarily... I'm not necessarily saying that, like, Optimus can't have a faceplate. And actually, a toy of Optimus with a faceplate kind of makes sense. Just the way that this one was was uh, talking was animated, it. and it's like moving up and down. It looks like either he's got a like a like a mask, like a medical mask on, or <laughs> or that he's got an overbite, like that he actually does have a mouth, but that's just where his teeth are. I feel like it's more like a I I I don't see surgeon mask. I see more like ninja mask. So I get what yeah. you're saying. But, well, yeah. you, know, you know, if you think about it, it's awesome that kind of faceplate design thing kind of also looks similar to what storm shadow and snake eyes and GI Joe. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that, yeah. that might be why. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that ninja things. So the ninjas but, and GI Joe look like they have surgical masks on as well. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for um, but, killing that nostalgia for me. <laughs> hey, wouldn't you want your doctor to also be a ninja? You'd be, they'd be very ninja. accurate. Yeah. yeah. If you're on fire, they can't get you. Um, true. I speaking of ninjas, I saw. I don't know if you guys have have read any articles from the Hard Times, but it's like a it's like the Onion, but they sort of try to do video game related things. And okay. I didn't actually get the reference, um, but this the, this headline I read it said like the the president was kidnapped and these. You know, video game character by he was kidnapped by ninjas, and these video game characters aren't doing anything about it. Uh, and it was a picture, it was there was like a screenshot. It's like President Donnie has been kidnapped, 
I don't really care. I'm not going to do anything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I guess they just weren't bad enough dudes. Yeah. Yes, it was bad dudes. That was the that was the (laughs) reference. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So Casey gives us a uh, an official synopsis of this new show. Uh, Bumblebee is on a critical mission where lives are at stake. Only he can't remember what it is. It's a good thing his best friend Wimblade has found him to help repair his damaged memory chips. With each recovered memory, Bumblebee rediscovers his past adventures on Cybertron before coming to Earth. He relives fun moments when he played Cybertronian sports with his friends, and even tragic ones that would change his life. His past will shape him into becoming the hero we know today. As each memory is repaired, another clue comes to light that will lead them both to complete their shared mission to save their friends and Earth. However, the Decepticons are hot on their heels and time is running out. Casey goes on to say, color her interested. It's a good hook and a nice change of pace from the usual plots that we get. What do you think of the show's look and plot? Are any of you excited to watch it? She says that she is. Yeah, that's cool. kind of interested. Like yeah, I, I said, I like that Bumblebee design. It looks really good. Yeah, and as I was saying, like I've been kind of finding more and more about Windblade, and I'm kind of actually more interested in seeing more because, yeah. well, I first the first time I actually saw her at all was in that Forge to Fight game. Like she was, huh. and she's like my top fighter in that game. So <laughs> I was like, hmm. And I thought it was weird because she's one of those characters that carries around a laser sword. And then I actually like looked her up on the TF wiki, and apparently they're f- like she's a Titan speaker and yes. all kinds of other cool things. And there's actually a reason why she has an energy sword instead of a blaster. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of interesting. So, and when that IDW uh, comic bundle from um, Humble Bundle, like with IDW with uh, Transformers and and uh, GI Joe in it. I was sorely tempted to get it because it had a bunch of the uh, Windblade miniseries that the IDW did. Yeah. They were really good. I yeah, would I, I suggest heard. them. Well, they they do. I mean, if you want to get into the comics, which I don't, uh, <laughs> they do like go on sale constantly on yeah. Comicsology. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like like you can get you know five dollar trades or five dollar mm-hmm. more than trades. Uh, mm-hmm. They, I mean, it's well, it's something that it's something that if you were really interested, you could get for an affordable amount. Yeah, okay. yeah. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. It's been so, a while since I've used Comixology. Yeah, oh. same here. Um, so in closing, uh, Casey says, "All right, let's end things with a question: Which character from the '86 movie did you fa- think was the sexiest?" Um, RC, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> she got them yeah. hips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Those hips don't lie. True. I don't know if I consider it sexy, but I did like the designs of uh, Hot Rod and Springer. Like the car from the car to helicopter and yeah. Hot Rod's like futuristic car were definitely like cool looking things. Yeah. RC I just liked in general. Yeah. yeah. Any other yeah. answers from people? Well, okay. <laughs> so this actually kind of reminds me. Um, let's say Galvatron. Um, but uh, basically, when I was watching this, I could tell. There were a handful of characters whose voice actors were real actors. Mm-hmm. And I could really tell the difference between Leonard Nimoy and uh uh Orson Welles and and some and some of the and some of the others that like Cup I particularly recognized as this guy is he has this voice actor has used this voice in 37 different uh, you know, Hasbro toy line cartoons, uh, 
and it's not not necessarily that that's bad because some of those because some of those are you know the performance is fine and it's actually kind of fun to hear those voices that you recognize. Uh, yeah. But it was just like very it was a very stark difference between this guy is is like just reading lines on a page and this guy is talking like he's a real person. Yeah, I was gonna say that there's one person that there's it's kind of weird for that does it give that argument and that's blur because the person who does his Where's voice great? um i forget his name oh what, what what was his name uh shoot that's a good question um but he was mostly he did a lot of car- like commercials in the in the 80s for micro machines he was like the guest oh, he was the, he was the micro machines guy yeah yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Was, he was the he world's was the fastest guy. talker uh, so, john moshita jr yeah yeah so the fact that he basically was like basically rapid firing all his lines out, which made me think, you know, didn't sound like he was a normal person talking. <laughs> I get why they had him do that, because that is that is what he does. Right. And, I, I guess so, I'm more I mean, there were I, some I, good I performances. Say, I, I think, you know, here. I mean, I think even though Peter Cullen is mostly known for voicing Optimus, I think Peter Cullen did a good job as Optimus. I think mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if. What's his name that did Hot Rod? If he's done other stuff, I recognize the name vaguely. Oh, Judd Nelson. Yeah, uh, but I well, mean, I, you know all the Breakfast actor, Club movies. He's he's yeah he's been a lot. He's a he's oh, been a who, lot. Who was it? Well, Breakfast Club was only movie? one movie, but who was he? Well, Breakfast, like Breakfast Club, Saint Elmo's Fire, and all oh, meant, he meant like the John Hughes movies. But who who was he yeah. in Breakfast Club? Uh, he was John Bender in Breakfast Club. Oh, okay. Like he's so he's the guy from the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> it's not Emilio. He's not. Or he's Emilio. not Emilio, Emilio Estevez. That's, that's Emilio Estevez. Okay, so he's a different guy from that. Which one yeah. was John Bender? Uh, he was the like the the punky guy. The punky guy. You mean the? Or well, you know the rebel sort of guy. The the criminal. Yeah. That's yeah. What, that's yeah, how they describe him. The dude with having... like the leather glove and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I I thought he was Emilio Estevez, but. <laughs> Okay, no, now that I'm picturing them, that makes sense because he is not Emilio Estevez. Okay, <laughs> okay, yeah, so he, so, but yeah, so he's like, I like, you know, his, I noticed his performance. I noticed the big ones is I noticed him, Peter Cullen, uh, Orson Welles, and uh, Leonard Nimoy sort of being above everyone else. Yeah, the uh, fast talky guy um, was. You know, that's sort of that was its own thing. Like that was yeah, that was intentional. But I felt like most of the rest of the voice acting was it sounded like it was a cartoon, like like not that it was necessarily actively bad, but it was just like not on the level of of some of those bigger names. And it was really it was really interesting because a lot of times a lot of times you get big name actors in doing voice acting and it's not very good because they're not. Yeah, used they to, sort of yeah, call it in sort of. Thing. Yeah, yeah. So it was that is kind of nice that yeah the the big names that they got to voice act actually did a really good job like they didn't phone it in like that you know but like like especially when you switched Megatron voices when he went from being Megatron to being Galvatron mm-hmm. it was like this is the same character but yeah <laughs> now he's now he talks like a person yeah. <laughs> I like Megatron's voice a lot maybe that's because I like him a lot that I didn't really think that Lenny was better but I guess probably was I don't know. He was different, and I think he was probably enunciating more for the movie than you would get from, you know, Frank Welker, who is fantastic, but, you know, 
does more animals, yeah. I think, than also, he does people. Also, they, also <laughs> those of... those named actors were basically just speaking in their own voice as opposed to speaking in like a cartoon affectation, yeah. Yeah. which may have which may have affected it as well. Uh, but it was just you know it was just a, it was just a an interesting contrast. Speaking of his voice change, though, how the fuck did Starscream know he was Megatron? I he, think he showed up and ruined the party. He's like, I think Megatron would show the, up and ruin uh, my party. But yeah, anybody... then I think it was like the vocal cues, like this is bad comedy. He's like Megatron. Yeah, like he was kind of confused too. But... Here's a hint. That's a good yeah, line but <laughs> yeah, like, I think just basically what the way he he addressed Starscream, and also don't forget he had a cannon on his arm. That's kind of iconic guess, to maybe. Megatron, oh. so that might made it and think that too. Also, so... if Starscream is anything like Pterosaur, which he is, because they're the same character. Uh, Start in the back of Starscream's mind. He's like, "Why didn't I make sure Megatron was dead? Why didn't I make sure Megatron was dead?" Like this whole time. So he's super paranoid that Megatron yeah. is going to come back. Yeah, that's don't isn't that isn't that like very obviously shown in Prime at some point? Like he, the Starscream in Prime at one point basically is like worried that he's going to be uh, attacked by Megatron because he didn't kill finish him off or something. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so okay that answers the question <laughs> did we have any other questions jordan uh yes but i only i, I only had a couple on twitter yeah, yeah. Let's take a... i put i put them up on the google drive oh. um did you did you get the link to m or do you want me to try i hadn't given it to her yet <laughs> just give me one moment here I should... this is great okay. podcasting right now well, uh, fortunately, we don't we don't air this live, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> scenes that will never make it. All right. Yeah, I, I think you you said there that we, go. we were talking about this, Kendall. But my my eyes are not are not being cooperative today. Okay. So. That's and we'll probably okay. cut this little part out. Yeah. Uh, so we have some questions from the last night episode that will not will not be yeah, aired. You can skip over <laughs> yeah. those those uh, side. Really? Because I mean okay, cool. I mean uh, we can still answer the questions. <laughs> I mean um, I'd say do the do the ones related to this episode first and then if we still and then if we have time we can answer last okay. night questions. Um so um from Bud Garagar Bud Garagar Commissar at oh, Noto. Yeah, this 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 was a comment that he said to us that I wanted to point out because uh when we were talking about the end of uh Beast Wars, you were talking about uh Waspinator, and apparently he found a link about it. Yeah, it's actually mentioned in a social probability theory book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's um Waspinator had it. Yeah. Wait, uh, what? Yeah, if you click on the link. It, it, it has a, a link to it. Well, yeah, it, but it, it it's essentially just talking about where Waspinator is, you know, sick of being evil and, you yeah. know. Yeah, well, okay, cool. Um, that was from Atno Vinny. About a year ago, I wound up Googling Waspinator sick of being evil, and that's the I guess they found that. Yeah. 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 And so apparently someone uh, used that in social property to basically talk about of how we all have our own spark in our in our in ourselves that joins yeah. a uh, that joins a, a collective consciousness when we when we pass away and are on our journey to other things. 
It was kind of so, it was kind of funny. Yeah. That what is, what does that have to do with what does that have to do with Waspinator? No, he 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 was he was he googled the the phrase Waspinator is sick of being evil, and apparently the top hit was this was this excerpt from a book that the that the that link makes is. mention of Waspinator in it. Yeah, and actually, and goes into talking about where he was and what he was doing at that point where he quits being a, a Predacon. Like it actually that is crux of the uh of the the entire like argument he's giving is that he you know he gave up he, he, being evil he wanted to do his own thing yeah okay huh. i guess i almost understand <laughs> and again that was from at noto vny um and then we have one from our friend of a show joe ricciardelli uh i hope i pronounced your name right i'm sorry if i didn't uh ghostbusters guy fu- yeah ghostbusters <laughs> guy joe ghostbusters joe uh, which death fucked you up the most? Some of those were so damn unceremonious. Watching a character you thought was cool get smoked like it was nothing was a hell of a thing to process as a kid. Prowl and Ratchet were my big ones. I had a thing for emergency vehicles. Um, for myself, I'd say it was Ironhide probably the most fucked up. But I mean, they were all pretty fucked up. That, that like that like that ranking of deaths was really fucked up. That whole scene. Um, yeah, that scene yeah. itself was especially brutal. Yeah, I want to say I I take that scene as a whole as as fucked up rather than just one particular death in in when I think about it. And again, like when I was talking about earlier, how death is confusing in this movie, it's because they they show that they are you know they are being gunned down, they are in pain, they are falling, as opposed to just being like you know knocked unconscious or shot, and they're just like uh shutting off, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So it's like it's that. So this is the. This is why it's unclear when people get killed or not in Beast Wars. They're just being true to the source material. I, I, I guess I said before that, yeah, it's yeah. like it's yeah. like that's just how it's been forever. Yeah. And I think if you've said a few times when we were doing the, the Beast Wars series, uh, when did, was Wheeljack yours or like there wasn't really a it, death that was even on screen, but it, Wheeljack was definitely the one that um, I went just looking at it as a random scene. Wheeljack is definitely the one that stuck with me. But Prime Dying is still the scene that, you know, yeah. as I said, when that song comes on the soundtrack, oh. I still think like, well, I'm going to skip past this because I'm trying to, you know, I'm using this soundtrack to cry. myself I'm not up. Cry. I'm not Aww. crying. You're crying. Jeez. Um, next question. Sure. Uh, from Jeffrey Dale Whaley. Uh, That's favorite? Jeff. That's, that, that, that is, is the Jeff. Best. That is our <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> so friend of the show, Jeff. Uh, favorite non-Transformers Weird Al song? I like all of the Polka remixes. Yeah, some of those are really great. Yeah. Um, I love how one one of my friends, uh, uh which which one ha- was uh on Running with Scissors? Oh, the uh, uh, you mean the Star Wars one? No, no, no. The the Polka, Polka. version where he said where he said he where he basically went from the dope show to Umbop. Oh yeah, and, he, and he's like he went from he went from Manson to Hanson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but honestly, like, there's always a song on each album that I always will just love, love, love. Like, if you yeah. give me an album, let me look through the songs, and I can say this is my favorite. It's hard to say like overall. I was actually like trying to think about this earlier when I saw the question, and I was like, it's really hard to pick because I just really like listening to 
his songs. Um, okay, so Poka Power is the Poka yes, from Running With Scissors. Okay, okay, yes, thank you. Um, which I will say that is not the best Poka. The best Poka, objectively, is the alternative Poka. Um, from oh, yeah, that one. I, I'm just saying. I just like the I like the comment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah um, <laughs> I'm 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 stalling because I'm trying to figure out what my favorite song is. Uh, but you know, talking. Uh, I'm so I'm going to interject. Peter and the Wolf. Weird Al did an entire Peter of the Wolf. Uh, I hear this. I didn't get. I haven't heard it yet, but I really want to. Oh, it's really good. Yeah, I would imagine it. I haven't um, heard it in years, but it was great. When I got the Straight Out of Linwood uh, CD, I got like the special enhanced CD where like one side. Like it could be played on a computer. Like one side was the oh, soundtrack, yeah. but the other one was it had stuff that like videos and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you got to see the process of him making the things. And I think it was straight out when where he was like making the pancreas song and all the stuff for the uh, for the weasel song, and which was absolutely funny because there was a scene where he's like, "Now listen to this," and it's just various weasel squashing sounds. <laughs> uh-huh. And he's like, "Now this is the new new ones," and it was just more. It sounded almost the same. <laughs> and he's um... like, "Now which one do you like better?" But but it was just one of those things where it's like it shows that. Holy crap! He's not just playing around. He he is. He mm. does a lot of work in everything yeah. he does. So so okay. So uh, the two that I'm gonna say right now, it might change tomorrow. Uh, good old days off of even worse. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a song where he sings about how nice it was in the good old days, and then he does terrible things to people, like burns down a building and ties his ties his. Uh, homecoming date to a chair and shaves off all her hair and leaves her in a desert all alone. Um, wow. Sometimes in my dark, dreams, really I can fast. still hear the scream. So I wonder if she ever made it. Oh, so that's, that's <laughs> a good one. And then um, I did just re-listen to poodle hat the other day. Um, and my favorite song off of that one is uh, why does this always happen to me? Um, <laughs> yeah. Another one where he's kind of a terrible person. Yeah, he stabbed uh, someone in the face and and the, the tip hit bone, and you know it's just not going to be as good as it right. was. <laughs> but but here's but well, my favorite part about that one is we've all been there where like there's a terrible tragedy that a bunch of people got killed and and you're like so and you're like oh man that really sucks why they have to interrupt the Simpsons for this. <laughs> I was taping it and everything. Now I'll have to wait, wait for the rerun for the part of the show I missed. Like that happens to me I'm... all the time, all the time. When like when there's when there's some sort of some sort of national <laughs> crisis and it messes up my DVR, it is the most relatable thing. So I think actually the the ones I really like are the ones that actually tell a story, like that are uh, like an actual story from from the beginning of the song to the end. Like it's not just versus always repeating and just doing the same same things like some of the like because that's kind of why i like albuquerque in a weird way even though it's like all random like a lot of it's rambling and and stuff like that just the just the crazy story he tells in that is just absolutely hilarious uh and uh and then i still think also one of my favorites is uh this is the life oh okay yeah yeah like just something about that ragtime piano kind of, uh, you know, uh, thing that he that he was uh, homaging in it. I just really like just really like listening to that. OK, um, for me, I, I, I like his parody songs a lot. Um, 
I like uh, eBay. Um, that one's really fun. <laughs> That's a good I just like, like, my house is filled with this crap. Oh, mission, <laughs> statement. mission statement off of uh, Mandatory Fun is, is another good one that um, is up there. Another one for me. I like Couch Potato a lot because it takes like this really like hard song by them into like this about watching TV. This is funny. Um, and I also like The Saga Begins a lot. That's a good and, one. Yeah. And uh, white and nerdy. It's another favorite of mine. I used to like know like one of the verses by heart. I'm, I'm not. I'm not gonna try to do it just because like I don't know if I can do it right. But I, I know. could oh. sing most. I could probably sing most of uh, Amish Paradise. That's of his rap songs. That's my favorite yeah. one. Tremble once or twice, living in an Amish all about the pensions. Also, it's some of the just some of the 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 jabs. I do, I do say what there. kind of chip you got in there—a Dorito, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what else do we have question. for questions? Um, something to do. Uh, at something to do. Uh, NM. How do you all dare to be stupid? I try and eat bread a day after its expiration date. Sometimes. <laughs> I dare to believe we can survive. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm stupid all the time. There's so many, there's too many of the list. <laughs> uh, uh, part of the self-deprecating humor thing uh, I was going to say is that I, I'm, that I just keep on living, but that's, that's, I don't want to go into that because I don't want to make, make it sound too bad, but Aww. Yeah, see, so like I don't still it's, said it. It's supposed to, well, it. no, no. <laughs> I, I, it's supposed to be a joke, but I don't, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to turn it around and make it something more. Is what I mean. Got you, got you. Um, I know that there's a lot of stuff that I do that is stupid that makes no sense. Uh, like I know for some reason, like me and my dad especially are just terrible technology pack rats. We've still got uh, like VCRs and like eight track players and stuff like here that we will never get rid of because we we might need it you know (laughs) (laughs) um kendall how do you do stupid um so i'm i'm reviewing i'm it's a kind of a checklist here so (laughs) i definitely i definitely if i had any babies i would let them grow up to be cowboys um when everybody at work is, is freaking out about bed bugs i don't care so i would let the bed bugs bite uh, I will often put all my eggs in one basket and count my chickens before they hatch. A lot of times I I, I have my paycheck paid, planned out before I get it. Uh, don't usually do that stuff. I will talk with my mouth full on a regular basis and bite off more than I can chew. You know, it's because of this. It's because of the song that I'm always terrified that went to go to a sushi bar because I never see a dip jar and I don't know how to leave it. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to be all mine. Am I going to? I would, it I would never. I would never eat a bunch of sushi and forget to leave a tip. Although I did that at Waffle House once. Um, I wasn't <laughs> eating sushi. sushi. At Waffle House? I wasn't eating sushi, but one time I did actually <laughs> forget to leave a tip at Waffle House. That's really bad because, like, I used to work at Waffle House, so they so inevitably. Whenever I go to Waffle House, no matter where I go, I could go to Waffle House in Texas and I would run into somebody that I worked with. That's just how Waffle House works. Um, (laughs) Last time I was at a Waffle House was in around, I think, was it North Carolina or D.C.? All I remember is that it was in a place where there's multiple taxes. Like, 
for food for things like that like here in pennsylvania and like there's just like there's just the general state tax they had like state tax food tax and something like that and so we were trying to figure out because we had one bill and i was with a friend and we were trying to split it up and so we we're like um which you know what what are because all it just said was it didn't have like the the price on it it just says please be sure to add like this and this tax on and we're like well how much is what how much is this tax or this tax? So they're like, oh, that's the state tax. And it's like, that's the food tax. And I was like, yeah, but how much is it? They're, that's just them. Like, that's all the answers we got from the <laughs> server. And we're like, that's not helping us. Oh, no. <laughs> um, uh, The last thing is that mashed potatoes are definitely my friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, Goku's spirit bong at Elam, uh, at E-H-L-A-H-M, uh, they asked a bunch of questions, but it all kind of related yeah. to like this one question that ended up not being correct. I mentioned it earlier. I think that a listener thought that um, there was more than one director on this movie, and I couldn't blame them. Uh, but um, an actual question. How do you feel about this being Orson Welles' last role? Kind of sad in that I would have liked to have seen what he might have done differently had he been healthier. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, like we were saying, we actually were talking a little bit and said earlier off off the air, he might have not had a high regard for it, but it still was, you know, like a rather great performance, great performance yeah. and a great movie. Like he probably might not have a thing for it. Like, and I have that quote that if I think I can say again, if you, if you guys want me to, that was sure. actually, sure. um, Apparently, like he was asked about the trans- his role as uh, Unicron, and his response was that the Japanese have funded a full-length animated cartoon about the doings of these toys, which is all bad outer space stuff. I play a planet. I menace somebody called something or other. Then I'm destroyed. My plan is to destroy whoever it is. is thwarted, and I tear myself ap- apart on the screen. And that's all he had to say about the movie. So, I mean... I wonder what it would be like if he actually, uh, like you said, was healthier and kind of put himself fully into it. Like he was like, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to really do it, you know? So so I don't know if he was half-assing it, but he still did a great job. Yeah. So the writer dude that was talking on the commentary uh, addressed Mm -hmm. this, actually. Um, He said that there had been – he'd heard some things about – uh, the way Orson Welles was like going in, going into it. And he was kind of afraid it was going to be a negative experience. But once uh-huh. Orson Welles showed up and, you know, he's 400 pounds. So he's got that like booming voice. Uh, once he was there, he was, he was there, you know, oh. he, he was, he was a hundred percent and he was, he was charismatic and, and everything. I mean, you know, he's not in that many scenes. So it kind of does, it kind of does make sense that he wouldn't have like, and an uh, intimate knowledge of the script. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I mean, and, and, and he also, he also may not have, it's like, he may not have wanted to tell, you know, the, the public that, Oh, I'm so excited that I'm in this stupid kids movie, especially at the time, <laughs> because like, really, this was probably one of the first animated features of, of its type that, that was, you know, actually good uh yeah you, you know the it was just a yeah. very it was a very specific time you know so so it it kind of would make sense that maybe he was putting on airs or 
I mean, he only he died a couple weeks after he got finished. Maybe his health quickly deteriorated in those couple weeks after he finished the movie, and he, you know, and he was that in was rough shape. Really yeah. remember? Yeah. yeah. Um. I mean, I, I, it's it's better that this is his last role than you know if he'd have been had some role in an Adam Sandler movie. I mean, how did how do yeah. people who are huge fans of Pac Man? Uh, feel about the guy that invented Pac-Man being in Pixels and then dying, you know, a year and a half later. He wasn't. Oh in no! Pixels. Oh, that wasn't him. No, they got a. They, that was one of the things that was even more offensive about. Is they just got somebody like else to like um oh. some. You know, oh okay. Do it okay, than, so he probably like, play him, not that. Yeah, so he probably didn't yeah. want. Didn't didn't have a a desire to do it. Um, um something else but, I will mention quickly as well is sadly Scatman Carruthers had passed away a couple of weeks after the movie came out also. And he was a guy uh, who voiced Jazz, jazz. in G1 oh. as well as the movie. Jeez. Oh. So. I, I, I so so I Pixels is a bad example, but I do think I do think that like there are definitely this is an iconic role and you know Orson Welles had a had a career where he was very big very early on and then kind of struggled through the, through the seventies and eighties and, and, uh, and, and so ending, ending his career on, on an iconic role, even if it wasn't necessarily something that everyone would take super seriously, especially at the time, I think is, it's a, it's a good thing to end on. Yeah. 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 I agree. I wanted to bring up Raul Julia in the street fighter movie. Yeah. You can't, you can't pick your last movie. You just have to put your heart into it, whatever you do. Yeah. But by the way, Rob Julia was awesome in in the Super movie. The thing is, he, he was he was the one good thing in that movie. I think the whole I love that movie actually for being a bad. Like, it's, 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 it's an enjoyable bad movie, but yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> so I've heard story that he kind of knew that it might have been his last movie though. Like really, that he was he was uh, I if I remember correctly, like the story was he was fighting cancer and stuff like that. And he knew he only had a certain number of films that he could possibly still do. So whenever he got a couple of scripts from the same time, he literally would take them to like his his grandson or son. And he's like, hey, which of these movies sounds better? Which of these would you like to see me in? And oh, he just wonderful. threw himself and he would just throw himself fully into it no matter what. Because like you said, like he like, you know, you don't you can't really say what his last one. And he didn't know which one. So he just did it to put his all into everything he did, no matter what it was. That's, That's awesome. Wonderful. Okay, yeah. Dude. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't wish I could remember where I heard that story though before. In particular, so Greg, do you, I think that's the last of our questions? Do you want to take us out? Well, first do plugs, I guess, but you should still start that. <laughs> yeah. So yes, does Greg? Do you want to ask us if we have anything we want to plug? <laughs> yes. Do you have anything you want to plug this week? Um, I'll plug uh, Game Apartment One C again. Uh, he got a uh, Dan got affiliate status, so that means that like you know he can do like a little special things and get like custom icons and stuff like that for people to have more fun. Oh. Uh, they fin- he finished the uh, uh, Link's Awakening and I I'm trying to think what the next one is. I know like on off days, like not on cuz Fridays is his usual like weekly stream. He's been doing uh the old Pokemon like red, but <laughs> um I'm not sure if he's planning on doing that for the next couple of streams. I'll have have Oh, uh, I know for Halloween he's going to try- he's going to do Splatterhouse. Ooh, nice. Uh, also want to just remind people about, you know, Jesse Cooper's Curio cast. Their uh, Puny Pages is still going on. It's kind of fun. 
and also they see me rolling i believe just started up their the next segment of their of their campaign story what? so nice so that if uh if you if you haven't been watching it might actually might not be a bad time to jump on hmm. Hmm. M, how about you um you can catch me on other audience podcasts uh home for the losers in pursuit of passions and teenagers of attitude which i guess i'm an official host of now <laughs> Yay! Yay! But how i found out was that i was like we were, we were you'll hear it on the movie episode but they were like um they asked lucas if we had any transformer stuff since the last time he guessed it i'm like why don't you ask your other guest that and like and then zach was like you're not a guest Ev. and i'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah um and you've been on more my... more uh in the last two months you've been on more episodes than zach has yeah <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> um yeah still i didn't think it was a fit i i, I wanted to make sure it was official i i i it kind of felt like I was still a guest, but um, uh, you can also catch my artwork on dangerchair.tumblr.com and uh, my Twitter is at this is emeralds. Cool, Kendall, how about you? Okay, so uh, I got a couple of really strong interviews uh, coming out for uh, uh, waiting here for every man, um, my podcast where I interview normal people about the music in their life. Um, I interviewed my uh, for old friend uh, Sam Vesti. Uh, he does community theater um, and he had a re it, I, I, it was one of my favorite interviews that I've done so far. Um, nice. And then uh, coming up is an interview that I have with uh, an, an old, uh, an old teacher of mine uh, who is now a college professor uh, named Matt Saunders. Uh, he is the only person that I've talked to who uh, agrees that maybe if you want to learn how to, improvise you should memorize all of charlie parker's solos so uh he's got a little different he's got a little different take than than some of my other guests also uh be on the lookout uh the arbitrary date i've chosen is november 10th when uh my new podcast with my wife and sister-in-law titled that's what they called music uh will (laughs) be released uh it's very important that you include the question mark because if you don't uh then you'll go to somebody else's podcast probably it's like a talking cat movie. You have to say a talking cat. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be uh, going song by song through the now. That's what I call music uh, series of CDs, uh, and it's gonna be fun. Cool. <laughs> so, Gwen, do you have anything um, you would like to plug? Not really. Uh, I'm not on anything. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, if you can plug your Twitter. Yeah, uh, or art or, or things like that. I'm on Twitter at Witsuaru. Um, that's about all the places that I'm social on the internet. <laughs> well, we're glad you were here social with us. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it was really great having you on, Gwen. Yeah. yeah. I guess uh, I'm on Discord too, but it's the same thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm just curious. How do we know you? Um, <laughs> I just comment a lot on question yes. posts. She, yeah, she gives she's... us a lot of questions. Okay, okay, yeah. okay, cool. Yeah, and like I'm, I'm like I, we're well, no, we're I mean, acquainted. Me and her are acquainted on Twitter too. And that's yeah. fine. That's fine. It just you usually by the end of the episode, I figured out who our guest is, <laughs> and 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 this one I haven't. So you do que- question posts. Do you have a different name on Twitter? No, oh, it's no, it's just uh, Witsuaru. Witsuaru. Yeah, oh, we've had lots of questions from her before. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Kendall, like I, when I do the question post, I usually put the screen name that they're using and then say at what so and so. So I mean, I've said at with Soraro a lot, but they've 
okay. you've changed your name a couple of yeah, times. Yeah, do you have what what, what were your right? screen names a that you've times. had? It, it's it's usually Gwen. Sometimes it's Gwen plus something that's going on in my life. Okay, like at E three or at quarter close or something. Okay, yeah, I just don't remember, remember that. Gwen. Okay. Didn't you have an avatar of like a Splatoon character or something along those lines at one point? I did. I did. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's not going to help she me. Had art, she had artwork from me, and I was pretty pretty proud that she put that as her avatar. Uh, okay. Oh no, it was fun. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, it was nice meeting you, Gwen. You you were a, you were a good guest. <laughs> Thank you. And I'm glad <laughs> you that I know who you are now. Approval. <laughs> um, as the as was previously mentioned, uh, there is an Audio Entropy Discord. Uh, if you check out the Audio Entropy Twitter, uh, we've got the Discord link right pinned at, on the the profile for Audio Entropy. So if you go at Audio Entropy on Twitter, you can find that. You can find us on Twitter as well at Warren Beast. You can find us online, of course, at AudioEntropy.com, along with a ton of other podcasts that have been mentioned. Uh, and if you like using Facebook, you can find us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash group slash Warren Beast Podcast. Uh, so, yeah, it's been another week. And we got Everybody Liked a Movie, which is Yay. great. <laughs> so, that being said, for Warren Beast, I have been Craig. I've been Emily. I've been Jordan. I'm Kendall. I've been Gwen. Let's roll, folks, till all are one. Two robots enter. One man leaves. Two robots enter. <laughs> one robot leaves. I said it wrong. <laughs> I still function. <laughs> oh, 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 that's I what I bet. wanted to bring up. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> dead yet. <laughs> <laughs>